Okay. Um, hi, everyone, and um, welcome to the Kirkland Design Review Board meeting. I will call to order um, the January 23rd, 2023 meeting of the City of Kirkland Design Review Board, and we'll begin with roll call. Randall Brand. Present. Fred Brown. Here. Carlos Castaneda. Present. Fatima Cohen. Amy Tars. Present. Shoshana Cohen and Tyler Smith. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, we have uh, no uh, minutes to read and or approve tonight. So I'll go ahead and announce the agenda. So uh, on tonight's agenda, um, we have two items. Uh, first is a design response conference for the 601 Market Street file number DRB 22-00693. And we have another project that is the um, uh, DRC Design Response Conference for the Kirkland CKC Townhomes file number DRB 22-00777. And since that, that's all that we have on tonight's agenda in addition to the administrative item. So um, now it's um, time for any members of the public or audience who wish to speak on any items not related to tonight's agenda. Do we have anybody in the list? Um, we do have Lisa McConnell who raised her hand, but I think she's um, wanting to comment on, um, she submitted comments on the toll project, which is later in the agenda. Okay, um, yeah. So just to clarify to everyone in the attendees, um, this at this point, it'd be public comment for, for issues other than what's on the agenda for tonight. There'll be an opportunity later uh, with each project to um, provide comment. That's correct. Uh, now is the time to speak for any items that are not related to tonight's agenda. But since we don't have anyone, um, John, uh, I'll just proceed. We... Well, well, it looks like there's a Linda that has her hand raised. So we'll we'll check we'll check in right. really quick. Yep. How do how do we make comments? I'm muted. Am I muted? No, no we can hear you. Oh, can okay, you. okay. <laughs> So do you unmute me? Is that what happens? So during uh, each project, uh, uh, there will be time for public to make comments uh, regarding uh, different items in the agenda tonight. Uh, so don't worry. Uh, if you have uh, comments about uh, one of these projects that we're going to be reviewing, uh, there will be time for that. And uh, we'll let you know. OK, thank you. OK. Thank you. You have to raise your hand at the bottom of your screen, Lord. <laughs> All right, uh, okay, well, um, since uh, there's uh, there are no other comments, uh, let's uh, proceed. Let's just dive uh, right into uh, the 601 Market Street project. I'll turn, the, I'll turn it to the staff to begin the, the presentation. Oops. Can everyone see my screen? Yes, we can see it. Thank you so much. 
Uh, hello, my name is Kyle Cotchett, and I'm an associate planner with the City of Kirkland. Um, the first meeting agenda of tonight is the 601 Market Street Design Response Conference for the applicant Todd Kilburn of Kilburn Architects. The project is located within the MSC3 zone of Kirkland along, the Mar along Market Street. The subject property is adjacent to properties zoned MSC3, MSC4, and RS7.2. Heights for the low density residential zone in MSC4 are 25 feet above average building elevation and 30 feet for the MSC3 zone. The property is notably located along the southern end of the Market Street corridor. As you can see, I labeled the subject property in red on the image on the left. Um, the Market Street corridor is home to several historic buildings, including the Sears and Peter Kirk buildings pictured on the right. While there are a number of historical buildings along the corridor, the area has seen new developments that are more modern architecturally. Um, examples being the Windermere building, uh, townhomes across the street at 514 and 518 Market Street, the double building as well, all located along Market Street. So where we are in the process, uh, the applicant has undergone a conceptual design conference and tonight they are here for their design response conference. To give a summary of the conceptual design conference held in May 2022, uh, the DRB discussed how the design guidelines affect or pertain to the proposed development, which guidelines applied to the proposed development, and the application materials that are needed for the design response conference. Regarding scale, the board had requested the applicant develop their plans further by refining the western facade, material transitions between uses, and massing that ties into the historical character of the corridor. The board requested the applicant to illustrate how grading will affect their elevations and ask the applicant to develop stairwell, the stairwell's massing on the northern side of the building. Regarding the pedestrian-oriented elements, the board requested more information on the design of the pocket plaza. This included details on the material choices and public art from the, and the inclusion of public art from a local artist. The board preferred option three presented at the conceptual design conference. So the goals for tonight's meetings are to discuss topics identified by staff or DRB members, deliberate on the applicant's proposal, and provide feedback to the applicant. In accordance with the MSC3 zoning requirements, the applicant has proposed a mixed-use development on the site that, in that includes 1,137 1, square feet of medical office on the ground floor, with a two-bedroom residential unit above. This will include a pocket plaza on the south end and four parking stalls accessed by Fifth Avenue West. The proposal includes a, a land use buffer modification request, which is for review by the planning official. As part of the uh, proposal, the applicant had requested a minor variation to the um, ground floor depth requirements under the general regulations. Um, as part of the design review process, the DRB may approve a minor reduction in depth requirements if the applicant demonstrates the requirement is not feasible given the configuration of existing or proposed improvements and that the design of commercial frontage will maximize visual interest. Given the challenges presented by a triangular site and the number of parking stalls required by the project, the applicant has proposed to meet the minimum 20-foot depth requirement 
while achieving a 30 foot maximum for a portion of the ground floor use. The average depth achieved is 20.7 feet. The design of the building's commercial frontage will maximize visual interest as the applicant has designed a strong southern corner to the ground floor use and employed pedestrian friendly features to the facade along Market Street. Uh, on the figure to the right, you'll see a um, blue marking that signifies the 20 foot depth, minimum depth they achieved. The area in red would be um, the 30 feet, the average 30 feet they would need to meet, which um, is encroached by required parking and turnarounds. Um, and then the orange label down there shows the maximum depth the applicant was able to achieve. So I'm going to go over some key zoning regulations tied into this project. Um, two of note are the MSC3 General Regulation 5. Um, this, this regulation is intended to avoid parking areas from dominating the building frontage of structures as they relate to the market, to market street. The applicant has proposed surface level parking access from Fifth Avenue West for purposes <laughs> Sorry, I lost my place. For purposes of the standard regulation, the proposed surface level parking is provided behind the building as it relates to Market Street. Therefore, the proposal is compliance with general regulation five. Um, subject property is also subject to land use buffer requirements, um, specifically buffer buffering requirement number one under KZC 9542. Um, the subject property abuts a low density residential um zone to the west and that's where these buffering standards come from the applicant has requested a, a modification to the land use buffer requirements the applicant's modification request has undergone preliminary review by staff the land use buffer modification is to be reviewed by the planning official staff anticipates approval upon submittal of the building permit Uh, we received a few public comments on this project. Um, they were positive in nature. Um, one of them had stated that uh, they viewed the project as a positive and compatible with the improvements along the Market Street corridor. And another um, public comment had stated that they did not see parking as an issue with this project. So tonight's DRB actions should be to discuss questions posed by the planning department in the staff report and weigh in on the minor variation request from the applicant. And following that, um, the DRB should either approve, approve with conditions, or continue the design response conference in a future meeting. With that, I will end my slideshow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kyle, for the presentation. Uh, now I'll uh, turn it into the applicant to begin with their presentation. Okay, great. Um, if I can just jump in, my name is Todd Kilburn. Um, and Cassandra Cheatham is with me um, on the call as well. She's worked uh, on this project uh, uh, probably as the primary. Uh, thanks for having us tonight. We're hopeful to show you we've uh, really listened at the design response or the design conceptual design conference and uh, made some, I think, some some nice uh, improvements and, and changes based on your feedback previously. 
Um, I have several slides I want to go through that I think are most pertinent, but want to leave most of the time for the board to um, review and provide feedback. Um, so with that, I'm going to try to share my screen here. Is, can everyone see that? Yes, we can see it. Great. Okay, first, I just want to start with kind of uh, what we're calling our identity slide here. I'd say it's more of kind of the inspiration or context. We, we really went back and started looking at um, Market Street as the historical corridor, uh, which it is, and the fact that we, we really are kind of the gateway or the starting point uh, coming up market going towards the north. Uh, initially, um, to be honest, I didn't want to do a lot with the corner or put a, you know, a cliche type move at the corner, such as a turret or, or anything really super important. But the more we looked at it, all the historical buildings really have a corner presence um, where they sit on corners. So it, it really kind of changed our, our thinking. And as you can see from the Sears, Campbell, Kirkland Arts Center, they all have a corner presence um, and a two-story presence. So um, we went back to that concept. And I think the Design Review Board initially said they liked um, our initial number one concept, which is a two-story kind of block scheme. And they also liked the option three, where we had it set back uh, for the residential portion. So we really kind of uh, combined the two, but tried to create a very nice uh, presence on that corner, which really defined the start of this corridor. Um, and then we also took cues from across the street where they have those, those nice residential townhomes. And so um, we looked at that and we, we thought we could incorporate that into our design so that we have kind of a, a mix of the traditional historical look with uh, more of the townhouse scheme because we, we do have a residence uh, on the second floor here. Let's see, how do I... Okay, real quick on the site plan. I, I think it's important to note that the initial um, process for us was to make sure we could adequately park the site. And we probably went over this before, but just to remind you, uh, we had to go through about a year long process for a parking modification, essentially for the size and shape of our building, um, the use, we were required to have eight stalls, but we could only fit four on here um, and actually meet all the, turnaround requirements, the van stall. Um, and so that really drove the footprint of our building. Um, we had to fit the building to meet the parking. So that, that gave us a lot of challenges. Um, so as you can see, the purple is the building, the blue is the parking, and that's exactly what was approved as the parking modification before we even started design. Um, I will note that we, we did and this, uh, Meliana will go into this more detail. We did try to create a nice public amenity, uh, pedestrian-oriented amenity right at the corner uh, of our site. Um, real quick, I think Kyle went through this, but I just want to note that we did everything we could to meet the requirements, but are requesting a minor modification for the average of the 30-foot depth at the first floor. We were able to get 20 feet um, and still get the parking in, uh, but it was just impossible or infeasible to actually get the 30 foot average. So we did the best 
the very best we could with what we had. So we have 20. Um, we did, um, we were able to get the full street frontage on market and move the parking to the back. Um, if you recall, or if you've been on the site, they actually have two curb cuts going in and out at the corner and parking down here. Um, so we've, you know, eliminated that. And it did, again, we did the best we could with what we were working with, but we had to keep the parking arrangement as shown. So um, we, we trust that we can move forward with this design. And then secondly, was uh, Kyle touched on this, the land use uh, buffer, 15-foot uh, buffer for landscaping modification. You know, we really can't achieve that either, but we're doing all we can to enhance the areas that we can. Again, starting with this, uh, with the corner uh, pocket plaza, landscaping where we could fit it in, still maintain the parking uh, modification that was approved, um, and then screening the parking with a, a decorative ornamental fence uh, with climbing vines, and then putting in as much landscaping as we as we can. Uh, and again, our landscape architect will will go through some of that. Um, the modification really relates to the residential portion over here, and we're really quite far away from that. So we think everything we're doing is an improvement to what's there. Um, we included some, some visuals on the left here to show you what it looks like now. And it's really just blank walls and pavement currently. So I, I think we're gonna improve on that immensely. So we're hopeful that you will approve this as well. Uh, quickly kind of going into, into the design and just um, reviewing some of the comments. Again, we, we created more of a corner presence um, we have an area of the residence that steps back on market, but we anchored uh, the corner with more of a tower element. And then where the stairwell is, we also anchored that side. Uh, so coming from both directions, you have um, a presence of, the, of this building as a two-story um, uh, masonry structure. Uh, this is a side coming down from the north. Uh, this is looking at the rear parking. Again, so as you come up market, um, you see the corner. Um, I, you know, I don't know if graphically this does it justice um, of what we plan on that corner, but um, our landscape architect can go into that a little further. Um, again, you can just see the different views, masonry base, a residential second story that steps back. Um, if you look at the lower right corner of this slide, this shows how we're going to landscape and try to hide uh, what we can, where we can. And then the pedestrian level, I think, is going to be quite nice. We're using, I mean, we look at this as more of kind of a jewel box. It's not a big building. It's actually quite modest in size um, with the awnings, uh, the masonry materials. Um, we think it'll be a nice presence along market. It, now it'll be a continuous facade along market as is desired by the uh, pedestrian oriented guidelines and, and the zoning. Um, so we I think we're achieving that. Um, real quickly on light fixtures, we're just gonna, we're gonna look at something that kind of is a, a, something between a traditional fixture and modern. Um, so it, it kind of is a transitional as was mentioned earlier, and there's new development going on along market. So 
it's not all going to look like it's completely historical, but we're going to try to keep it um, so that it actually meshes uh, well. And in terms of signage, we're looking at um, raised three-dimensional letters and numbers. Um, we're looking to put the address on the corner and probably uh, their, the name of the, uh, of the business, which is the, uh, it's the Eye and Contact Lens Center. Uh, yes, so. And then going into materials again, we're not we're trying to really fit in. Uh, luckily, our clients are, you know, our longtime uh, residents and uh, owners of the of the business here have been there for quite a while. They'd like to do a high quality uh, development. So again, we're looking to tie in the older structures with brick, with actually more of a, a brown brick versus going with the bright red. Um, but we still think it will fit in nicely. Um, the base will be uh, concrete, so we can uh, use that as um, kind of retainage against the slope. There is a slight slope from north to south here. Um, the residential portion will be a lapped uh, fiber cement siding, um, and this front bay window would be a fiber cement panel. The window system would be black, black anodized aluminum storefront at the base, and then a black um, window uh, at the residence and we're mimicking or trying to fit in with the more historical divided light look of, of the historical buildings um, with that that kind of finished my architectural piece but um, meliana was going is going to uh, go through the landscape design uh, thank you, Todd. Uh, so I am Meliana Kumala. I'm from Comunita Atelier. Uh, we are the landscape architects who do the overall landscape design for the site. And I will start giving you guys a brief description of the landscape for the of the overall landscape design. And I will start with the landscape design on the Market Street side. Um, so we are keeping the existing birch tree and adding a new street trees in a metal in a metal tree grate and next to that new street trees uh, we are also providing uh, bicycle parking adjacent to the street curb uh, to support the assisting bike lane on market street and now on the fifth avenue side uh, we are proposing uh, two new street trees in the same metal tree grade uh, same as on the market street and these trees are placed on both sides of the vehicular access to the parking court all these new tree, street trees will be um, ali elm trees and for the pocket plaza which is um, the corner the open space uh, at the corner of market and fifth we call it pocket plaza uh, we're using uh, square stack bone pavers that are permeable to give textures and also a pedestrian friendly element feel and in that pocket plaza we are proposing seatings too uh, in the shape of eggs uh, we call them the stone eggs and they will be nestled into the planting adjacent to the retail windows and the important design element in the pocket plaza is the public art uh, this art piece will um, also form a focal point at the corner 
that can enjoy by uh, pedestrian and also by car passerby. And the parking court um, at the west side of the property uh, uh, will be paved with permeable pavers and the view of the cars will be buffered by a landscape island and also a, a six foot high screen fence at the back of the sidewalk and on the north property. Yeah. Uh, go back to another side, please. Preview side. Yes. Thank you, Todd. Uh, so for the overall planting design, um, overall we are using a mix of shrubs, ground cover, and small trees. So in the pocket plaza, the stone eggs will be tucked uh, next to the bed of pheasantail grass to give a softer look and send strawberry as an evergreen ground cover. And the windows of the retail space behind that stone eggs will be flanked uh, by two columnar evergreen trees and we're using the dwarf Italian cypress. The planter wall across the uh, stone eggs uh, next to the sculpture plane will be a mix of euphorbia and geranium that are uh, low ground cover. Uh, for the small planting area next to the commercial entrance on 5th Avenue, uh, we are using a mix of evergreen low shrubs uh, that can take shade uh, because it's under, over, it's under the building overhang. Uh, we use pitosporum and hebe. And for the island um, in the parking court, uh, we are using large evergreen shrubs. Um, we're using Pacific wax myrtle that are so great for screening because it's evergreen and shown as a dark green color in the drawing there. And then we mix them with oak leaf, hergingia, and face and tail grass as a planting accent. The climbing vine at the screen fence will be a Japanese honey map suckle that will be trained to grow on the fence. Can you go to the next slide, please, uh, Todd? So this is the fence uh, that we're thinking, and then the fence will be a perforated metal screen fence. And the screen fence uh, on the left bottom there, the C27 in the drawing, uh, that, uh, that screen uh, we selected has opening with the pattern of three branches throughout the surface. So it still allow the sunlight and air, air flow in, but it's still serving as a screen too. And the opening uh, of the panel will also accommodate the climbing, uh, climbing vines to grow. Um, so we feel the, um, the combination of these perforated screen fans and the climbing vines will also uh, create, it, uh, create a visual appeal to the side. Um, next slide, please. And now we're back to the pocket plaza. So the stone egg uh, style seating, um, we select, uh, we selected to create um, a more artistic and uh, urban style plaza. So these eggs are made of uh, precast pre concrete and it comes with many colors and sizes to pick. So they are simple, you know, unique, and I think it's comfortable to use for seatings. Um, and the sculptures at the Pocket Plaza uh, will be designed by uh, local artists as encouraged by the city. Uh, 
And Troy Pillow from Pillow Studio is an artist from Seattle. And he has been created many, many uh, successful uh, public art installation around the Seattle area. And these are the images of example of his uh, sculpture work. So uh, for the Pocket Plaza, we feel that, um, you know, with the stone egg seating, the sculpture art pieces, and also uh, the landscaping uh, will enhance the curb appeal to the site. And hopefully will bring, uh, you know, spatial experience for the pedestrian. Um, for the side. Uh, thank you. Uh, that that will be all from the landscape. Thanks, Miliana. And if I could just say one last thing, we, we've worked incredibly hard on this project for now a couple of years, going through the parking mods and some other technical difficulties because of this little triangular site. It's a much smaller project than the DRB is likely reviewing, but very important to us. And we're hopeful with your review and comments uh we can move forward with an approval or an approval with conditions um and, and move forward with this project thank, thank you very much thank you Tazan. thank you melina for uh your presentation today uh now it's time for the board to make any questions to the applicant regarding this project um who would like to start with the board members amy <laughs> your hand is raised Go ahead. Um, I just have one question. Do you mind um, showing me what um, uh, you talk about the screening for the parking? Um, are you also uh, um, installing screening on the side that's closer to the plaza? Uh, I think you have an opening there on the build, like there's a from the street you can see through the parking lot. And then you 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 do have like a on the foreground um, a landscape area. Yeah, let me let me call up the uh... so where are you looking here? Um right um so it will be yeah, is that south? Uh right next to the building, yes. This is south. Yes, yes. Um this is all landscaping here. So I think this would probably screen. We actually have an entry right here. So um, it would, if we had anything, it'd be, it could only be this little six foot section maybe. We, we hadn't planned on screening anything there because we feel like this screens it enough. No, sorry, just to add one comment on this um, landscape buffering area that, um, this is for the uh, planning official to review um, per chapter 142 of the zoning code uh, land use buffer modifications um, in this zone are applicable to the design review boards um, uh, purview. So um, can you show me, um, do you have any perspective drawing to see what that looks like from the street from Fifth Avenue? Uh, let's see. Well, I guess this middle slide, I mean, we didn't really render the exact landscape, but um, this is the corner where you're you're speaking of. Can you zoom that? See if I can. 
we didn't do a great job of rendering this little corner, but it is a pretty small area. Okay. Yeah, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Um, Fatima, do you have any questions? No, no questions. Thank you. Randall? Just, just one question on the, on the building elevations in this. Uh, as you look at the perspectives, it looks like it's got a flat roof at the corner in the stair tower. Is there a sloped roof section over the top of those two areas or are they flat roofs? But those are hipped roofs. Uh, they're sloped. I but think very, very low slope. Yeah, yeah low okay. slope. Okay, it just, I mean, the visibility of that is not very visible when you really think about that corner and it's, you know, really only coming down market to the south is about the only time that you'll even receive it. Uh, that uh, no, I think for such a such a very small site and getting anything to fit into this and didn't fit into the historic nature of uh, Market Street, I think you've done a very very good job. Thank you. That's all I have. Thank you, Randall. Brad, do you have any questions? We can hear you, Brad. You're muted. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, could you pull up the lighting plan and the landscape plan? I have um, a question about that. Uh, I just wanted to make sure uh, those were jiving. And also um, uh, a question about the fixtures. Some of those are, are those, is that street lighting um, or is that, kind of like decorative site lighting like is that going to be what's i guess allowed by the city of kirkland to light the street or are there also street poles along market that and these this site lighting is just for like accent lighting for the building yeah this was actually designed just for accent lighting for the building um if there are street light requirements we would abide by the city requirements mm -hmm. Is there any street lighting like present right now, like sitting in front of the building or in between the two proposed trees? Not that I can recall. Cassandra, okay. do you have any idea about that? Yes, um, on Market Street at the corner, there's an existing site light. And I think we have to have one or two other uh, lights. I'm not quite sure about extra. But we would meet the city standards for that. Correct. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not concerned about the street not being adequately lit. I'm thinking about kind of the pedestrian experiences there, you know, coming up to the building and walking along the sidewalk. And the two lights look like they're on right on top of very near where the two proposed uh, street trees um, would be located. And so I'm wondering, you know, if we get some sort of an overlay or see exactly where those are situated to make sure that, you know, I don't know, the, the light's not being blocked by the trees or vice versa. And, and, you know, I'm just like I said, I'm just kind of imagining a pedestrian experience. So where is that second light that's kind of more north on Market Street? Is it going to be 
kind of perfectly straddled between the two trees? I mean, that would be the idea. I mean, we're definitely not going to put them where they're being, there's a conflict with the, with the street trees. Mm -hmm. This appears to be the, the one city light here. Mm -hmm. And so then where would the decorative kind of uh, light, you know, the site light be located in relation to this? Well, we had proposed a light here mm -hmm. um, and the, it most likely would have to meet, match the city standards. We had a light back here in this area. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So in the, in that lighting plan, the one light, that was showing illuminating down to the south was this existing okay right okay um and then i i was curious why uh, the brown brick was chosen over the red you know i'm you know i don't think that the guidelines for market street say it has to be red brick but i was just um, curious uh the thought process you know in choosing that color I would say we like it, <laughs> number one. Um, we didn't really want to mimic exactly the red brick. And if you look in more of downtown Kirkland, newer projects have, I'd say, typically more of a, a tan color or a brown color. It's still masonry, but it has its own identity. And I, I think what I was trying to do is get our own identity and not try to replicate the red brick. Um, it just seems too literal to me. Uh, I, I think um, this will be, you know, quite good looking and, and look uh, uh, like it fits in just due to the, the masonry uh, quality of it. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. we, we definitely tried not to exactly replicate the red brick as a design choice. Okay. And um, you said that those are hipped roofs? Yes. All right. Um, and, and what's the underside of that? Um, uh, what's that material or color palette? Has that been called out? Uh, it hasn't. I mean, ideally, we would like to do wood. But um, if not, it's going to it'll be a wood tone uh, color. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of depends on the budget. We're kind of pushing the envelope really for such a small project to use, you know, to go all masonry for our client. I mean, I want to look out for them too, but it, it will make, we'll make sure it looks uh, like it fits in and looks high quality. Mm -hmm. And your the, the, the roof like above the, you know, second level residence, that's not occupied, right? Um, I don't know if it's allowed to be occupied and you're right up against the kind of like the max height or can it, our, our, our plan is to have a roof deck on this flat portion in the middle slide here. Yeah, okay. In, any plantings or anything like that um, uh, that's planned? On the roof? Yeah. Uh, potentially planters. I'm not sure it would be uh, noticeable by anyone other than the residents. Mm -hmm. um. Okay, that and um, do could you flip to an elevation of the north um, side of the building? Do we have? There's north. Yeah. I was 
curious yeah so so i couldn't recall if there was yeah there was one little kind of porthole um on the lower level um i was curious what that space is and kind of what that set building separation is to the you know neighbor to the north yeah it's a good question even about these upper ones um if someone develops this property next door but we're trying to avoid the, the blank wall at this point i think this is part of the entry uh into the building right at the stairwell um, and this mm -hmm. is obviously residential space up here i think it's bedroom you know laundry hallway something like that mm -hmm. and then what's the length of that um whole facade um that north side um it's probably i would say is it the 20 foot like kind of minimum that you're going for. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't recall if there's any bump outs right there. Yeah, uh, this is 20, and then overall it's mm -hmm. probably 30. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's all the questions I had for now. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Um, I'm next. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess that if we can go again to the north elevation, or maybe uh, if I saw in the plans that you have uh, some elevations, if we can take a look at the um, west elevation, that'd be great. That that's that's good. That's a good view. So um, again, uh, coming back to uh, the um, property at the north, I see that uh, your roof is extending beyond your property line. Are there any issues with that? um if there are i think it would be caught when we're in the building permit phase but yeah if we have to chop that back because it goes into the other property we'll, we'll have to i guess that that's gonna alter the aesthetics of the building kind of like having the two towers with the um roof over hangs on each side uh but just curious about that uh also, at the main entry, if you can go to a floor plan that has the interior layout, um, the first floor, uh, I think that I noticed that the entry doors to the office space are opening to the exterior. Uh, to my understanding, this is encroaching into the public right-of-way. Is that correct, or am I missing this something? Here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if, they, if it has to open, open out, but that seems fairly normal to me. So, uh, and this is probably a question also for the staff. I don't know if, uh, John or Cal, do, do you have any insights on that? Is the city kind of like after that going to ask them to push to the interior that um, entry door, those entry doors, or if that's allowed. Sorry, if the entry doors can swing into the right of way or? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a floor plan that uh, is showing that doors are opening to the exterior, but um, they are pretty much uh, aligned with the property line. So those doors would be encroaching more than 12 inches into the public right of way, correct? I, I just want easily picked up at, at the building official or the plans examiner if we need to set this back we could do that yeah i'm just wondering how that's going to look uh and if 
uh, that's going to be intentional or if that's just going to be a pure response to the um, planner's uh, comments. Because if that needs to be um, included, I guess that that's going to alter the way the building looks. And I would just be curious to see if there are any alterations to that, how the building is going to look like at that area, including kind of like the other. But uh, that's good. Um, uh, on the previous um, meeting, uh, we asked uh, the applicant to refine the masonry pattern and material transitions. Uh, just uh, curious, I see that you have some sort of trims where you have the um, the panels, uh, the board panels, and uh, some sort of soldier cores along um, parts of uh, the brick wall. Just wondering if there's a further refinement to those details and how that ties back to the um, other buildings, especially since uh, this is kind of like Market Street, Street Corridor. Well, I think we, if we look back at the inspirational uh, photos, most of these have this um, belly band, if you will, separating the, the base from the top. And that's what we're trying to emulate, not necessarily uh, mimic or copy. Similarly, you can see that here with the townhomes across the street. Uh, so I, I think that's what we're trying to accomplish with that um, belly band here. It also allows us to separate the base from the top, the residential portion as well. That was what we're um, endeavoring to do with that. And I, I think it does match with this. We're not going to obviously do a, uh, you know, terracotta cornice line or belly band, but um, we're going to, you know, emulate that in a modern fashion. And for all the canopies that you have there, uh, what type of canopies are those? What's the material? Are they going to be um, lit, um, or yeah, are they just going to be? There uh, are they going to have internal drains? How are they going to work? Yeah, these are these are steel canopies, and we purposely um, cantilevered them versus uh, uh, tying them back because we see that everywhere, and just felt like we wanted to try something a little more modern. So these would be steel canopies cantilevered uh, with a slope uh, back with a metal roof to a downspout. So they would protect you from the elements and, and the rain and the weather. And what is the finish on the underside of the canopies? It would just be the uh, metal finish of the uh, actual roofing material. Is it going to be painted or just? Yeah, it would, uh, it would be. Rough. It would be painted. Yeah, it'll, it'll look finished, but it'd be similar to most awnings, uh, metal canopy systems. Okay, and just quick question regarding the um, uh, public seating choice that you have on the southern part of the building. Uh, I saw that you guys proposed and um, some egg um, shape stone element. I'm just wondering uh, if uh, how that relates to the design of the plaza or or these. Uh, uh, or this proposed building, uh, it looks a little bit 
well, uh, like off place to me, um, just because the nature of like this building, you're including a lot of um, kind of classical architectural uh, elements, decoration, and just the shape of these is um, more organic. So I'm just curious to hear uh, how was the selection of those uh, seating choices? Well, I'll let Meliana jump in, but I'll, I'll start by just saying we really wanted to create something a little more unique and, and you know whimsical, if you will, soften up the hard facade. Yeah, we, we definitely morphed into this very kind of more classical architecture, definitely trying to emulate the more historical structures. But again, we want to kind of bring this to today um, and not necessarily feel like it's just a complete copy of you know the historical nature. So I think it's more kind of a fun play, uh, creating a little you know pocket plaza, if you will, um, that doesn't have to completely match the building. But Meliana, if you want to jump in with right. um, your thoughts. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I agree with Todd. You know, this organic shape actually um, will bring the other softness of the building uh and this I, I can see how you know like uh i mean there are many colors right probably the colors also probably wouldn't match but you can see that the organism of this um, bench really just like a nature to me like a, a pebbles you know like a part of the organic element to support the building. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the explanation. <laughs> uh, I think that's, that's all for, for us. Uh, now uh, it will be time for anyone with the audience to make any comments about this project uh, in a specific. Um, I don't know if we have anyone uh, the least. Yeah, so there's anyone in the audience that would like to speak on this project, please uh, use the raise hand feature and you would have um, three minutes to speak. So Carlos, I'm not seeing anyone raising hands. All right. Well, uh, I guess that uh, now uh, we'll just proceed with uh, deliberation. Um, okay, board. Um, do you guys have any uh, comments about the building and the material that uh, we got presented today? Uh, just a reminder that today we should be reviewing massing, pedestrian orientation, and plaza design materials as well. Anyone would like to start? Amy? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I actually find that. Um, they uh, responded to a lot of our concerns last time. Um, this is really turning out there to be a, uh, 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 an attractive building that complements the uh, historic context and buildings in the area. Um, you know, the massing um, it, and the proportion is all very well done. Um, I, uh, in terms of the material of the brick, you know, I would have probably preferred the red just because um, I just find that in our gloomy Seattle uh, 
climate that anything that's brighter uh, really is, is more complementary to the gray, um, but I'm not gonna force them you know, to choose or to give up their preference. Um, in terms of um, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, articulation of the building, um, I really uh, commend them for adding Again, kind of the more historical transom windows with divider, divided lights and also the belly band. Um, the, uh, you know, with the belly band, um, I would just encourage the applicant to uh, express it more and, um, and hopefully it's not just flush with the rest of the wall so that you end up with a coping. Um, and um, that would really provide a stronger expression to your, you know, to trying to break up the massing. Um, but this is a very small project in a very difficult site. So given all of what they've done, oh, and I, I do have to commend them for um, also providing a, a, a place for um, an art, you know, a sculpture and also for outdoor seating. Um, the only thing that I am concerned about is that um, little area that I ask about um, where they're showing landscaping. The more I looked at the, their floor plan, it seems like that little space is actually underneath the building. And there's even a column there. Um, and I think they do have the um, employee door. Correct me if I'm wrong, that, that uh, you know, that opens into that little space there. But in looking at the organization of their parking, I don't understand how someone who parks in the back would be able to access their um, building without walking um, to, into the driveway and then walking around. Um, so I would think that maybe instead of that landscape area, that that should just be a plaza. And then, um, you know, there, there's going to be an opening for a walkway and then they can screen the rest of it, um, especially because it's already um, underneath the building. So it seems like adding a little decorative wall, you know, like the metal wall that their metal panel that they're providing on the other side would, would frame that, you know, area very well. So those are my main comments. Thank you, Amy. Uh, I think uh, that um, you hit the nail with uh, the historical window treatment and the ornaments. I, I do believe that uh, this is very close to uh, the other um, buildings that are iconic for this street and that uh, further um, design should be incorporated into it to make them tied to, to, the, to them. I don't think that they need to look exactly the same, but still, uh, there's some transition that needs to happen. And I know that this is transitioning from um, this area to a residential uh, zone. So uh, I'll be just more uh, intrigued to like see uh, more of that language, architectural language uh, in this building. Uh, Brad, do you have any comments? Um, yeah, I feel largely the same as Amy. I think um, that they've done good with the massing and proportions you know they're doing the best they can on such a small and limited site um, but i do take some issue with the colors 
You know, it does seem like it's a very dark building. Uh, in the past, the board has reviewed buildings of this color and we got actual material samples and we looked at them. We said, OK, in the light, this isn't so bad. But then they get built and for six months of the year, they are just so dark. And we have all the bright, you know, red brick with a very warm tone. Uh, it's one of the things that people like about Market Street. You know, I don't like enforcing, oh, everything should look the same, but uh, I am concerned about the dark uh, colors. Um, even the belly band, as Amy said, you know, I wish it was emphasized more. The reason why it's maybe not as emphasized is because it's even darker than the brick. Um, and so I just have a real concern about, you know, how it's going to look, you know, on a stormy January night. You know, it's just going to be so dark. Um, I'm also a little concerned about kind of the hip roofs and how those end. Um, there's not, you know, any sort of transition, um, you know, or cornice up there. It's just, you know, the brick runs up straight and then instantly ends with just like, you know, kind of a, a, a plopped roof, you know, at the top of that turret. Um, I don't know if you could do some sort of brick work you know, different soldier coursing, something that stepped out to play with some of that depth to help transition, you know, to that roof. But I think that that can be, you know, refined or tweaked or looked at um, a little bit. Um, and that's that's essentially it. That's that's all my comments. Um, really, I think everything else is well done. I like the landscape selections. Um, some of the um, roof lines are flat, kind of along the backside and the north side but they're really short, you know, and it's going to be secondary. And so I'm not as concerned about some of those parapet lines. I'm more concerned about the transit, the horizontal transition as you get up to um, kind of the, the turrets, you know, the underside of those canopies. Um, and you had asked this, um, uh, Carlos, about what that underside of some of those canopies is, as long as it's finished with similar materials, you know, because um, we've seen in the past where they just drop a tin, you know, corrugated metal panel in there. And it's just the underside is just unfinished and silver. And it just looks bad when the rest of the architecture is so well thought out. Um, as long as the underside of all of those soffits and canopies are well done, then I'm, I'm happy with it. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same. Uh, usually uh, for, uh, well, I don't, I wouldn't, I shouldn't I should say usually. I think that for all the projects we've seen uh, samples, uh, either, well, physical or digital samples of the actual finishes. I think that this is pretty uh, kind of like um, open to interpretation in, in kind of like a, a way it feels that this uh, material selection palette is very similar to the house that is in front of it, uh, kind of like the same type of fiber cement panel design, uh, the the tone of the brick, which uh, I mean it's it's fine, but uh, it needs to um, differentiate uh, the uh, residential from uh, the commercial, and I think uh, the 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 applicant can uh, can adjust the 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 tone of of the brick and the. The um, the way that they place the the, the bricks, as you said, the soldier course might be something that they might need to take a look into that, or or some sort of uh, distinctive uh, architectural feature that can uh, make this building look a little bit more into more tight with with the other ones. Uh, but 
uh, would you rather you think that uh, approving you feel like approving this without a uh, sample port or oh that's that's a good question i mean that's usually traditionally what we require um you know I, i'm thinking some of the stuff we've reviewed you know in downtown kirkland that has heavy pedestrian traffic and this will also definitely have heavy pedestrian traffic you know yeah. seeing what those materials are exactly and not just leaving it up to an you know interpretation is yeah. not something that the board usually does yeah i think i feel the same uh i mean uh, there's no reason why um, not to ask for one uh especially for the this type of project and the uh, key location that it has uh, uh, Car carlos if i can just interrupt real quick we, we did yeah. provide a, a sample board i'm not sure you guys have seen it, it but I, I would say we'd be more than happy to you know if you suggested if we had approval you suggested we come back with maybe some alternative colors we'd be happy to do that um but we did provide a sample board so we, we do have actual samples and colors i just don't think you guys have seen it yet but again if if, if you know if the board thinks it's you know too dark you know we we can take another look at it we just i mean we're not like just totally entrenched and and for sure we're going to do everything high quality and you know i'm listening to all your comments and it's not going by the wayside but we just really prefer not to have to come back again we'd prefer you know some modification or if you'd like to see some other samples we're happy to provide it okay okay thank you thanks for the clarification uh, yeah i think that i read it uh somewhere in the uh, summary that we received that um i think that the samples uh were not uh were not presented as part of these uh packet but uh I believe I had sent an email um, okay. a year or two ago with the, <laughs> the material board at City Hall. All right. Okay. Thanks for the clarification, Kyle. Um, Amy, I see your hand raised. I'll just let uh, Fatima and Randall um, comment about the project, and I'll get back to you. Um, I guess it's uh, time for Fatima. Yeah, I I would uh, say the same thing. I think uh, the the building is way way dark. I agree with every what everybody else said. Other than that, I maybe some other color. The brown is yeah. It seems very dark in certain places. Other than that, the massing and it, it really goes well where it is located. I like everything else, but yes, the maybe the material. Maybe we can yeah. As everybody else has said, we can look into those. Thank you. No, thank you, Randall. Well, I'm going to go counter to everybody. If you if you go back to the sample board that they presented that Kyle had sent through to us, and you you look at that sample board, the brick the brick is actually the medium color. When you get to the self elevation and you got the, the pop out in the windows that come down on that, the kind of the light or the lantern, I guess you could say, side of that and the windows of that, that's the darker element. And then it looks like they're trying to go a little bit darker on the underside of the eaves and that type of thing, which I think is just fine. So I think I I would say that could we, Kyle, could we pull up the sample board photograph that you sent to us and just take a look at that real quick? Sure. Because I don't okay, I don't uh I I drive this corridor two, three times a day. And 
it is nice when you drive this corridor, we have some very nice architecture that's going on up and down this corridor and it isn't all the same. And so trying to move this back to some form of a red brick or lighter brick or something of that sort. But as you, as you look at this color board here and you look at that brick in the end, at the middle, that's the middle color. That's the light, lighter color on the board. And so I just, I, I think they're, I like what they're doing with it. And I think it's, it's got enough of a contrast because they're going darker with the other elements on the building and they've got the black, the black trim around the windows. And so I don't, I don't see that as a problem whatsoever. And I do like the idea that when you do get down deeper into downtown, you're seeing more of a tan, more of a brown uh, color scheme. And then you start to turn red as you come up the street. And this is kind of right on the border and kind of moves into that. So I I, I, I actually like it. I like what, what we're seeing here. The, the project is, being as small as it is, uh, it's there's a lot of detail on this project because every every six feet you got a corner, you've got something happening, and so there's a lot going on and a lot of things that are happening, and that and I like what they're doing. I like the overhangs of the eaves on the 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 design element to the south, and then the the stairwell going on to it. And then you've got the residential side with the horizontal siding that sets back and that sets back nicely to where you may not even see much of that as you're driving by. And so, so the massing on this feels very, very good for this size of project and, and that. And, and so I, so I look at it color wise as, you know, I think, I think it's fine. If you look at the color board and I stop you know, I stopped by and looked at it at the table there and it didn't pop out at me that that was too light or too dark a color brick. Uh, and that the, uh, as far as the landscaping and that little triangular little pocket right there, when you look at that and you say, okay, let's take the planting away and let's put a fence in there. I'm not quite sure where you would put the fence and how that would go in because Really, you've got an exit coming out of that, uh, out of the eye center. And if it's staff or it's patient or whatever it may be that's coming out to that point, turning that and given the slope on this side, I'm not sure if handicap wise you can even make that turn. And there's enough room to make that turn. So it comes out onto the public walkway and then goes up to the parking, which should be fully acceptable, especially given the the size of this project and this, the difficulty of fitting this all on there and what they've had to go through to get the parking to happen uh, and that type of thing. And so uh, I just, I think they've done, I think they've done a tremendous job and I think it's going to enhance that corner and continue to enhance the historic nature because the the neat thing about the street that you come up up the street and they've pulled elements of the residential on the east side of the street. They've pulled elements from three or four projects up the street. And so you've got a combination going on, which is hard to do on a small project. And I think they've done very well. And so I, I, would, I would recommend that 
that we just move forward with what they're suggesting and and the brick color that's on the pallet that's at the at the city office building and that type of thing. And then also the variance where they've got the 20 or the 30 foot width requirement that yes, we uh, we approve that. So that would that would be my recommendations. Thank you, Randall. Amy, um, you have any comments? Um, yeah, I just wanted to get some clarification from Brad. Um, you know, when he talked about uh, getting like getting some additional like um, assurance that um, you know the uh, the fascia and the and the um, what they, the underside of um, I think um, canopies or I can't remember which ones you were talking about that. You, you 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 would like to see you know a higher quality treatment I'm just trying to understand um like uh which ones again were you were you uh, mentioning um the underside of the canopy so where um, a pedestrian would walk in under you know into the building at some doorways um and also underneath the soffits like where the roof overhangs are at the top of those towers you know almost like turret looking, you know, um, because that's really prominent, you know, I'm thinking on the south side of the building, um, you know, everyone's going to be looking up at it. And so it's a lot of times, you know, when you're designing buildings, it's kind of an afterthought. You're like, okay, we're just going to throw in some, you know, pre-finished metal panel, or maybe it's not pre-finished. Like I said, sometimes it's just kind of like the bare, you know, metal silver color. And so I want to make sure that those actually will be finished because you know I'm, I'm thinking all throughout you know downtown and stuff in the past we have made sure that it's some sort of decided material you know i remember in some projects past we've talked about is it wood is it fake wood are we okay with fake wood well okay if it's up high where people can't see it close up close and touch it we're okay with fake wood you know because um the board's been burned in the past by using fake wood because you know, the different patterns, you know, and, and the knots and uh, end up looking a lot more fake because, you know, the contractor chooses a different material. And so, you know, we've we've been a lot more careful in buildings in the past um, on the selection of those kind of soffit board, you know, and underside of canopy materials. And I just don't want to say, OK, yeah, it's a small building and they've done a good job. So let's just approve it. You know, I want to make sure that we don't, I guess, for lack of a better term, get lazy. You know, and we, we call out all those things. So in the past for larger projects, um, you know, the board has seen all of those things and we've asked for them to be called out on the drawings and plans um, for a smaller building. If everyone's really happy with it, maybe just noting to staff, hey, you know, make sure that in your own administrative design reviews, you that that's finished. I don't know if that's something, a message that gets approved, you know, in our vote or if it's just something that, we have to pass on to the city and hope that they, you know, carry that torch for us. Well, I guess it'd be a question to city staff. John, would you mind speaking to that? Yeah, I think that's something that staff can do to, to verify materials. And if, if we find that there's an issue with it, we can require that the applicant you know, submit a modification if they really do want to stick with what they're proposing. And in that case, because the board has raised such, um, has an interest in it, we can go back to the board for a check-in. And we've done that in the past too. Okay, thanks. Thanks, John. 
I think that uh, so, it wouldn't hurt uh, if, as Brad said, to just include that. If uh, we decide to to approve the project, the only thing that I'm just gonna say is that the material selection looks very similar to the houses in front. So uh, if there's any chance that uh, the applicant can like um, take a second look at the brick finishes and just make sure that uh, the character of the building is uh, commercial uh, with residential, that'll be great. Um, other than that, I, I don't think that I have anything else to say other than just uh, clarify and make sure that uh, the items that have been discussed uh, tonight are included uh, if the project uh, gets approved. Carlos, so, can I um, can I uh, have some follow-up questions? Uh, because um, so um, it, it sounds like, um, you know, I was listening to your comment earlier about, um, you know, whether the eaves of the uh, corner um, uh, is actually encroaching into the right of way and that if it gets cut off um, that uh, it will significantly affect the look of that tower element. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, I don't know if staff can answer that question now, um, or if that's also something that we should add to uh, the list of items that we can delegate to staff, but subject to bringing back to the board if staff has concerns about it. Because I truly believe that, yeah, that, that um, deep deep overhang or eaves is actually critical to um, creating that um, you know that dramatic tower element. And if you cut that into something insignificant, it's not going to look the same. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, Carlos. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I think that's a good point by the board. Um, I don't think staff knows off the top of our head if that would even be allowed. Um, maybe it would be because I know we do allow like canopies, that kind of thing to extend over the right of way to protect sidewalk. So maybe in that same vein, it may be okay, um, but we'll definitely double check. And an approach could be that um, kind of similar to what I said previously, The if the board were to approve this tonight with conditions, um, that sets in stone a specific product or a, a building that the applicant would need to build. And if they can't do it for whatever reason, due to codes, building codes, whatever, um, that would qualify them for um, um, a modification request. And again, that would have to go back to the board if we feel that it's a major issue, which it sounds like in this case it would be because um, it would it would definitely change the aesthetic of the, the tower design. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, John, and thanks, Amy. Um, I, I guess that I'll ask the question uh, to everyone with the board. Uh, do we feel that this project is uh, ready for approval? And I can just ask everyone, Amy, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, um, I feel good about, um, you know, I mean, save for, you know, our some of our concerns about details, which we can condition, uh, I'm ready to approve. Um, Brad? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, I would be willing to approve it. I will say, Randall, you sh um, 
calling out that um, the picture of the brick uh, really helped. Uh, it was a lot lighter in person than the rendering showed. Um, I am still a little concerned about the transition from the brick to the, um, you know, to kind of the underside at the top of the towers, um, you know, but it's not something that's, you know, so egregious that I wouldn't want to approve it. Thank you, Randall. Yeah, I think I think there'll be several conditions placed on approval on that. Now that I think Amy brought up a great, great question is, is when you've got those eaves overhanging on the building and that type of thing, is that a variance that they need to come back and ask for? I know that we've had we've had projects where we've had balconies that have come out over a setback line or uh and that we have not approved uh because of the way you know because the way that the language is for approving something like that is they can they or can they not you know deal with that element on the site without extending out now this one to me would be one that would be a candidate to approve that because it it really does give it a nice character it is a, it is a design element now so i would i would ask the staff look at that and see what that what that overhang is and and that type of thing but uh no but i i support the design uh i really support what they're doing here and i think just a few areas of a few little details and that type of thing those to staff would be great so i would Thank you, Fatima. Yeah, I agree with everybody. Um, approve, but with certain the conditions, what we have already discussed. Okay, so I guess that the consensus is that uh, we um, could approve uh, tonight the project with the conditions that the staff um, makes sure that during the administrative review, um, the building. Um, elements that were discussed tonight are included in, as part of their um, their package. And uh, I think that for the minor minor variations, and John just uh, clarified this to me, is it only the, um, the minimum depth or does it include the landscaping and tree retention? It would just be the minimum retail depth requirement or commercial okay. depth requirement. Yep. Yeah, I think it makes sense uh, to me that uh, they are requesting that. Uh, I mean, based on just like footprint of the building, I don't think that there's anything that can be done. And uh, I think that uh, I believe that uh, my fellow board members uh, think alike. So now you guys are free to chime in and uh, say anything uh, that might not um, grant the applicant is minor variation but uh if there's no one that opposes to that i guess that uh the next step is is for someone to make a motion right john that is correct there'll be an, there'll need to be a motion and then a second and then a roll call vote mm -hmm. so would anyone like to make a motion i can i can make the motion I move that we approve um, the uh, project DRV 22-006936016 Market Street project 
with um, the following conditions. Um, one that um, if there's, uh, if upon um, further um, evaluation of the um, South Tower treat, um, eaves uh, that uh, that would require um, reducing the depth of the eaves that um, the project will be brought back to the DRB for further review. Um, that um, a pedestrian, a safe pedestrian path will be provided from the parking lot to the entry of um, the build, uh, the um, employee entrance to the building. Um, and that, um, at, and that um, uh, we will ensure uh, that the applicant will ensure that um, the uh, uh, people using the parking lot doesn't have to um, use the driveway and walk into the street in order to access the building. Um, and I don't know if there's anything else. I think I'll, I'll just amend your motion by saying this is the North Tower, not the South. The North Tower is the one that is next to the property on the other side, and it has like all the windows and all that. <laughs> oh, I, I heard them say two towers, the left and yeah. the right. So that's why I, I called it the tower <laughs> too. But basically, yeah, the South, um, you know, uh, the, the South facade that's on the tip of the triangle right just for clarification right and and also the one on the north that is extending beyond the property line because th those are also oh, like oh okay i see what you're saying so it's actually yeah. both north and south okay um and and um uh the other thing uh and and i would also add that um if possible to add the uh, metal screening on the um uh, the portion, you know, the, gosh, what, how would we go? Um, to add a metal screening where it's currently shown as a landscape area in front of the um, entry, um, the site entry to the building. Does that make sense? Okay. So, have any comments? So no, Todd doesn't look like he's understanding. So, um, no, no, I understand, but oh, I'm not okay. sure anyone else was going uh, along with that or not. <laughs> could, could we, could we, could we go through these conditions again? Because I don't want to throw out a vote on something that I disagree with, and I. So, so maybe uh, before before we bring up the conditions, um, Randall, if you have any issues with any of those conditions, that we can have a further discussion. And maybe come up with. Uh, let's let's take you. You went through about five different conditions there, and let's let's look at each one of these. Now the landscape triangle, that is so small, and to put a six foot fence at that point is, I, I'm sorry, that just it doesn't cut it. And, so maybe and we I mean, can... it's more it's more of an obstruction than anything else. And so, you're saying that you're saying that people have to go out into the street. No, they go out onto actually a wide sidewalk, which is perfectly fine in a commercial venture. And so uh, I've, I'm really I, I'm really concerned about putting some sort of condition like that on on such a very small landscape area. I mean, 
this is this site is void of landscaping to begin with. It's pretty much a zero lot line deal. And on that residential side where you start to go into residential, having the fence and having landscaping there softens that area. And so I would I would definitely object to that condition. Regal, can you explain to me where you see a sidewalk um, where people can get to? Because what I'm seeing is a 20 foot, 24 foot wide curb cut that they have to walk on that and, and use that curb cut to get to the front door or that side door. Well, you're, what do you mean curb cut? It's a sidewalk. You come out, you come out of that west door, out of the lobby of the uh, of the eye shop, and there's a small area there that's landscaped as you come out of it on the right hand side between it and in the pave pavers that define the parking. And it's a nice little section of landscaping right there, but it comes right out onto a sidewalk, and that sidewalk is ten foot wide. Very nice right. foot right. I see I see that sidewalk and then the sidewalk gets interrupted by the driveway. Well, the, the curb cut is about six foot. The slope of the curb cut going to the going to the curb is probably it looks like it's well, it's actually about five feet. And so then you have a five foot sidewalk between it and the pavers. And I don't know what's so unusual about that. And yeah, I think I, I I agree with you, Randall. I don't I don't think that the additional fence is required there. I, I, I mean, at this side, it, it's what it is, uh, and uh, it has a. It seems that it has a second uh, single door next to that uh, small landscape area. So I I don't really like see the the need for um, another sidewalk or another path, Amy. I mean, yeah, I'm just concerned. Page 22 of their their documentation. I'm not sure which part it is. It's got a blue page 22 on, or 22 on it. Yeah, and, page 20 and, also shows it. Yeah. So the other thing, I don't know if you guys are aware that that landscape area is actually underneath the building. So my concern is that I don't know that you can that we can guarantee that that planting underneath the building is going to survive yeah i think that, uh maybe it's uh maybe the applicant uh Melianda, uh can like just enlighten us if uh, the plant selection will um survive uh at that location with those conditions just uh to help us clarify this item yeah, I think it will be. There are uh, we have experience doing uh, this um, planting area under a, uh, under the uh, building overhang. Uh, when you have the good irrigation and also the uh, the right planting materials, I think it will be okay. Uh, the The planting that we choose is uh, tolerant with the shade environment. So actually, um, although it's uh, under building overhang but it's also you know you got some sun because it's in the west side you know so it's uh we putting um 
you know, shit tolerant planting. I think it will survive. The other aspect of this is the swing on the door that exits the building actually swings to the north. And so if you were to come out, it swings into or towards the landscape. And I just, I, I don't see putting a fence of any sort at that point. That's, I, I just don't see it. Okay, so I guess, um, yeah, um, if uh, the rest of the members of the DRB members are okay with that side, not off the parking, not being screened, um, we can take out that condition. I'm okay with that so, not being screened. Yeah, we can. Uh, so I should start again. <laughs> uh, I move that we approve. Um, the uh, 601 Market Street project, file number DRV 22-00693 with the following conditions, that um, if it is determined that the uh, overhangs on both the north and south towers have to be reduced in order to um, avoid encroaching into the right-of-way, that the um, project will be brought back to the DRB for um, modification. Um, and um, and I think that's the only condition. And, and we can include that um, also to make sure that during the staff uh, review um, uh, of the uh, permit set that all the underside of canopies and the, um, um, and the roof above yeah, are uh -huh. finished. Soffits. Mm -hmm. And that if there are any um, alterations to uh, the massing of the building to be brought back uh, to the DRB for uh, review based on uh, whatever comments the um, um, building department has in, uh, regarding uh, property lines. Does that make sense? If so, anyone would like to second? Okay, uh, is, uh, did you second, Randall? I, I wasn't gonna second, I'm gonna let you second, and then I wanted to add a little bit more discussion. Uh, do you have another, yeah, there, amendment there, you'd two, like to make or condition? There, there's, there's two other conditions that, that we talked about is the valley band is basically, I mean, lack of a better term, the valley band is to be more definitive, you know, visually and that type of thing. And then up underneath the two towers where you've got the soffit overhang, the rough soffit overhang, that there's some form of a cornice design at those points. And I think we could leave that staff to look at that it isn't just brick straight up into that. And, and go from there, but I would I would recommend we take a look at those two elements. But I don't think we need to come back to DRB for that. Okay, with that added, anyone would like to second? Yeah, I'll second with those conditions. Okay, uh, move on second. Um, John, do we need roll call for this? Yes, please. 
Okay, Randall Brand. Yes. Carlos Castaneda. Yes. Brad Brown. Approved with conditions. Adam McCohen. Yes. And Amy Tars. Yes. Thank you. Motion carries. Okay. Right. Uh, thanks to the applicant. Uh, thanks for uh, listening to us and thanks for uh, presenting uh, your work to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks. Uh, okay, now uh, we'll continue um, with the second um, project uh, item in the agenda that is the Kirkland CKC Townhomes file number DRB 22 00777. Um, I'll turn it into the staff to present. All right, can everybody see my screen? Yes. Great. Uh, well, hello, it's me again. Uh, Kyle Gotchett, Associate Planner with the City of Kirkland. Um, the next meeting agenda item is the Kirkland CKC Project Design Response Conference for the applicant David Morse of Toll Brothers. The project is located within the TL10E zone of Kirkland, just north of the Highlands neighborhood, east of the Cross Kirkland Corridor, and west of the I-405. The subject property is adjacent to properties zoned TL10E, TL10D, PLA9, and RS8.5. Heights for the low and medium density residential zones are 25 feet, 30 to 85 feet for the TL10 zone and 80 feet above average building elevation for the subject property. Where we are in the process. The applicant has undergone their conceptual design response conference. And the applicant is here today for their design response conference. At this time, the applicant has submitted a SEPA and grading permit application. The SEPA application includes traffic review and other environmental issues separate from the DRB approval. At the conceptual design conference held in June of 2022, the DRB discussed how the design guidelines affect or, or pertain to the proposed development, which guidelines applied to the proposed development, and the application materials that are needed for the design response conference. Regarding scale, the board had requested further detailed images of the site and, build, site and buildings, unit variation, and relocating the commercial building between buildings K and J. Uh, you will see I have labeled buildings J and K on the image to the right from the uh, conceptual design response conference. Regarding pedestrian and vehicular access, the board had asked the applicant to provide additional sidewalks along the road or look at shifting the sidewalk to the south side of the road to provide better site connectivity. At the conceptual design conference, the board had preferred option three. The goals for tonight's meeting are to discuss topics identified by staff or DRB members, deliberate on the applicant's proposal, and provide feedback to the applicant. All right, the project proposal. In accordance with the TL10E zoning requirements, the applicant has proposed a mixed-use development on the, on the site that includes 121 residential units 
and a commercial office space of 880 square feet. This will include 268 associated parking stalls and multiple recreation areas. Per zoning requirements, the applicant has included a 100-foot stream corridor, wetland and stream buffer restoration, and wetland buffer stream restoration. The critical areas are under the label number four on the site plan, as you can see on the southern and northern parcel boundaries. They're also outlined in the blue dotting as well there. Um, as part of their development, the applicant has requested buffer, buffer averaging for the wetlands and stream. The buffer averaging request will require a separate approval by the planning official. The applicant, applicant has um, submitted a minor variation request as well. As part of the design review process, projects within the Totem Lake Business District can request a minor variation to the land use buffer requirements. Special Regulation 6 in the Use Zone Chart of TL10E states that where existing residential use abuts the parcel boundaries, Kirkland Zoning Code Chapter 9542-2 applies. This refers to a requirement for a five-foot wide landscape strip with a six-foot high screening fence or wall. This would be required along the subject's property, the subject property southern property line, where the property abuts the RSA 0.5 zone. The applicant has proposed to utilize the area of existing vegetation on the wooded slope that ranges in width from 25 feet to 40 feet from the proposed improvements on the southern property line. Um, at this point, the, the staff has reviewed uh, the minor variation request and envisions that the um the oh, actually i'll go to the next slide is that on there yes <laughs> sorry um jumped ahead of myself there um the drb may grant a minor variation only if it finds that the following are met the request results in superior design and fulfills the policy basis for the applicable design regulations and design guidelines and the departure will not have any substantial detrimental effect on nearby properties in the city or the neighborhood. Staff envisions what the applicant has proposed as meeting the requirements and recommends approval of the minor variation on the condition that upon building permit submittal, the applicant should show what vegetation exists on the slope and should propose further plantings along the southern retaining walls and gabion baskets to fill in the gaps of vegetative screening of the proposed improvements from the neighboring property. Uh, the image on the left show the on the top, sorry, on the top right show um, the existing vegetation on the slope. Um, and on the bottom there, it shows a section drawing that the applicant provided showing um, one of the buildings on the southern property line, the location of the retaining wall, Gambian basket, um, and an image of existing vegetation. So to go over some key zoning regulations here, um, as discussed in previous slides, the subject property contains steep slopes, two regulated wetlands, and is in proximity to a regulated daylit portion of Forbes Creek, which is considered an offsite stream. The applicant has undergone a critical area determination, proposed restoration efforts, and submitted a buffer averaging request. The applicant has submitted a geotechnical report and will be undergoing a geotechnical peer review as part of their grading permit. 
General Regulation 5, the TL10E zone, states that development adjoining the Cross Kirkland Corridor or East Side Rail Corridor shall comply with the standards of Kirkland Zoning Code Chapter 115.24. The applicant has submitted plans that are in compliance with the regulations of Kirkland Zoning Code 115.24. Special Regulation 2 of the TL10E use zone chart states that development must be located on property adjacent to the Cross Kirkland Corridor and provide building and site orientation to the Cross Kirkland Corridor. The applicant will discuss how they are meeting this requirement in their presentation. So we have received a number of public comments, um, especially over this weekend and today about the project. Um, there were a number of concerns raised about, con about construction in relation to disruption to the neighboring residents, wildlife, critical areas, and Cross Kirkland Corridor use. Uh, there were privacy concerns for neighboring residents to the south, um, concerns raised about tree removal and retention, as well as increased traffic. So tonight's DRB actions should be to discuss questions posed by the planning department in, in the staff report, weigh in on the minor variation request from the applicant, and approve, either approve, approve with conditions, or continue the design response conference in a future meeting. And that's all I had for my slideshow. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Uh, just a quick question. I don't know if uh, engineering has taken a look at um, this uh, project, but um, do you know if there are any concerns with during peak hours uh, and traffic um, for for this project? Uh, it seems that there's only one way in and out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that has been part of the review or if they haven't uh, taken a look at this yet. Um, yeah, so that'll be part of the um, CEPA application um, and undergo review for our um, with our um, traffic engineer. So that process. Uh, yeah, the applicant has submitted their SEPA checklist as well as um, you know, their traffic information, but that is still an ongoing review at this time. And do you think uh, we will receive um, um, basically the, the results from this review uh, during um, the um, DRB process for this project? Just wanted to see if there are any concerns with the first kind of like the master planning just uh, having kind of like one street for all these units if that's going to be an issue and if there are going to be um any modifications to the plan then if that's kind of like accounted into like the the drb um drb um review process as well uh john would you mind weighing in on this end i haven't had too much familiarity <laughs> Yeah, so I think as Kyle mentioned, the applicant has submitted their um, environmental review, their SEPA checklist and transportation study. Um, so as far as coordination between those reviews, we have to issue, make sure we issue um, the SEPA determination mm -hmm. uh, either prior to or at the same time as the, the design review board's determination um, because there's some appeal provisions that we have to comply with with state law. So to answer your question, um, <clears throat> we we should know 
any kind of mitigation or changes from transportation um, prior to the board's approval. The key is we're, um, the timing of, because there's been instances in the past where the timing of the transportation review sometimes may take longer than maybe let's say the next DRB meeting if this is continued. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I think we'd have to coordinate that uh, to some extent um, if the board, um, if, if mitigation conditions could potentially impact the site plan review for this project. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to say at this point. Yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> Yeah, early, yeah. Put you guys in the spot, but just uh, um, having thoughts of, some thoughts about that. And it's yeah. but, okay, sounds good. Yep. Right. Thank you very much. Um, now um, this will be time for uh, for the applicant to to present. Actually, Carlos, if there's any other uh, questions from board members for Kyle, this would be a good time. Yeah, I have a question. Um, uh, are these all market rate units or is there a requirement for them to provide any affordable units? Um, yeah, so this property is um, outside of that area that requires the provision of affordable units. Thanks, Kyle. Anyone else? Yeah, Kyle, um, as we're looking at this and we're you know, one of the things that we look at is blank walls. And you've got a 13 foot high retaining wall to the south in several areas. Is that considered a blank wall? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, I think the way we've kind of viewed these in the past is how they affect neighboring properties. Um, but yeah, John would, um, yeah, with this facing internally and not, um, adjacent properties we wouldn't view it in that way is that correct yeah typically for blank wall treatments randall it's where um a wall could impact let's say a public public walkway public through road um sorry public through connection uh right of way or city parks okay yeah done Anyone? Okay, there being none, let's proceed. Time for the applicant. Very well, thank you. And yeah, we're happy to make a presentation today. Um, while I'm setting this up, uh, we did submit you know, our full traffic study and there appears to be no issues with that at all. It is something that we had submitted uh, back in October with the original um, application and uh, we also had submitted one other time with our our LSM application. So uh, I, we feel very confident that that's not going to be an issue. Um, Kyle, thanks so much for setting this up here. Um, quick, we've got a team with us today. Um, we've got Hazel uh, Lullaman with uh, Dolan Architects. Justin Duke, Julian, also with Dolan, uh, Yannick Metz, and Scott Evans with Blue Line, our civil engineer and our landscape architect. And I'm David Morse, the senior uh, land entitlement manager for Toll Brothers. 
So our goal for this evening is to continue the conversation we started at the conceptual design conference last year. Um, we will thoroughly explain our design in this community, uh, the intent behind our design decisions, and we're here to answer questions. Some of the key points that we'll review are site design, building elevations, commercial component, and the request for the landscape modification. So what are we doing here? Where's uh, we're developing a community of 121 three-story townhomes. Uh, we're presenting to you a community with a massing scale that does not overbear on its neighbors. It's intended to create a community environment that's very much of a human scale. Our intent is to create uh, a village feel and a, a distinguished uh, sense of place. So we, we want to stand out from some of the other communities in this region here. Uh, this is not going to be the ubiquitous five over one design that's gaining universal disfavor, uh, disfavor um, as it pops up in communities across the country, nor is it the 95 uh, foot high tower with stack units and closing corridors that's allowed here. So if the zone is 80, we get a 15 foot bonus for setting aside the 100 foot uh, stream corridor, and we're we're not taking advantage of of that uh, that height allowance. Um, so when we last met, we settled on this site plan here. Um, this is the massing uh, that was associated with it, coming in from 120 on the north, looking at our duplex, our fourplex, and GTS drywall over here to the to the west. Uh, this angle looks down, uh, hovering over uh, 405. Looking down in our community, which is on a plateau up above the um, industrial area and the CKC trail down here. You can see that it's shrouded in the woods, um, and we are very grateful for you know, the, the wooded features of this lot. Um, it, it creates kind of the, the vibe that we're looking for here. Um, also, we looked at the view from the west looking over at the plateau towards um, uh, towards the east here. We had put in a retaining wall that is visible here, and um, we will show you in our landscape plans how, even though this was approved and acceptable, we've we've dropped the, the height of that wall, we've landscaped up, and so we're, we're landscaping both uh, on top of the wall and below the wall for, for a, um, uh, very much increased landscape buffer. So again, a few things that we're, we've talked about before were um, variations to entrances, decks, and patios, and we're gonna go over that today, uh, and relooking at the, relocating the commercial building. So this is what we have done, as, as uh, Kyle said, putting the, to relook, try to relocate the commercial building between J and K, and, and we've done that here. Um, walking through this site plan, we've, you know, we're, we're, our, our primary connection with 300 feet of frontage on, on CKC, and, you know, we're, we're very grateful to, to have that connection there. You know, it's, it's, we see it as one of Kirkland's signature features, and we're honored to be able to um, add our um, visual narrative um, to, to the trail. So uh, fronting CKC gives us uh, a gateway into development. It's, that's a thematic approach uh, or tone for the way we've designed the community. 
We took cues from the site's rustic features and relied heavily on the CKC for the amenity it provides. So this functions as a gateway from the wooded uh, CKC up to the semi-industrial area to the north. So the connection to the CKC is actualized with two footpaths leading from, from the trail up through the woods and up to the community outdoor recreational area. And it's in its network of footpaths beyond this, which I'll show you on the next slide. Uh, so this virtually connects every, virtually every door, front door is connected to the trail here. The third footpath, um, so we have one, one coming here directly up. We've got another footpath that goes over to the 116th Street, uh, or 16th Street uh, path here. And this uh, will go uphill into the Forest Creek Park area, uh, allow the neighbors to come down, um, connecting to our, 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 our trail connection here and vice versa. So there's a good community connection there. Uh, we also have a footpath that um, uh, comes off of between building C and B down by Forbes Creek and over to the trail as well. So very well integrated. Um, so, you know, making this our marquee feature here uh, and, and expanding it to the full length of the frontage, uh, we, you know, we expect our park will encourage people to enjoy a trailside experience, you know, away from the noise of 405 and the, and the hustle of the industrial area to the, to the north. Like, well, it'll, it'll encourage, we're hopeful that it'll encourage um, trail users to venture into our community and meet with their friends. So, yeah, we've, we did brainstorm other ideas there, but we feel like the park is the most purposeful and egalitarian solution because it opens the, the CKC to the full community. It shows how much we value the connection to the trail and outdoor recreation. It also encourages uh, the type of play that will flow from some of the structured uh, features here into the into the woods and uh, the trails beyond. So even though the, the CKC is frontage really reps, represents approximately 10% of our perimeter, it's it is the you know without a doubt the thematic feature of our of our site. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into uh, site design and site features in a minute here, but just on this slide, I want to show you, we've got uh, a variety of gathering areas, and we'll go over that in the landscape plans. Uh, so it isn't just eliminated or, or isolated to the CPC trail, uh, there are different purposes as well. We have visitor parking scattered throughout the site. We've thought through um, uh, trash uh, collection and we coordinated that with with solid waste um, so basically our ccnrs require everybody to keep their dump their, their dumpsters in their uh, garage and they have a dawn to dusk on trash day um, ability to, to place their units out but they got to bring them back so that was very important to us um, so yeah um, Moving on. So one of the one of the key things one of the key things I love about this 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 site is when you arrive home, you can park the car and that's that. Um, you don't have to perhaps even the whole weekend you can go without the car. Uh, there's connectivity from every door to the primary trail that runs the spine of the of the development and down 
as I said before, to uh, the to the CKC. So every door is connected, not just to the trail, but to one another. Uh, and we feel that that's extremely important. Um, so even though none of the, the the units face the frontage, they all get to share in the uh, in the benefit of the of the CKC. Um, I'd like to go over the landscape plans. We we've got a full submittal in our package. We've called that down to just a few. And Scott Evans, our landscape architect, will will walk us through those. Scott. Thank you. <clears throat> um, in order to be brief, as David said, we're we're just showing a few images here. So and also I'm trying to be brief with my comments here. Uh, trying to give you a very high level review of the landscape. Um, if you have any specific questions, obviously during the QA period. Um, at the end, I will happily discuss in greater detail uh, your specific questions. I just want to kind of talk about the images that we have here, um, especially on this first page. They are kind of just descriptive of the design intentions, not necessarily trying to uh, describe or to give you an idea of that this is going to be the solution. So for the entry here, which you are seeing here, this is uh, where our project connects to 120th. Uh, what we really want to do is to provide a clearly identifiable entry portal, uh, something that was a clear transition from commercial to our residential neighborhood. So we did this in a couple different ways. We looked at the signage. We wanted to pro provide simple, honest materials, which you see in those illustrations, um, that really kind of speak to the context of the commercial neighborhood that uh, obviously you drive through in order to arrive here. Um, we also show an image number one of a wayfinding signage. This is going to be smaller scale signage. This is really kind of specifically for the pedestrian circulation on site. Um, and it's really tried to assist people and visitors, uh, residents and visitors kind of through the site as they negotiate the site uh, on foot. We also wanted to have the landscape really begin to uh, take on a different character than what the commercial neighborhood around us has. So really what, what that looks started to look at was we wanted to provide more interest, greater variety of plant materials uh, that, than you see in other parts of this neighborhood. We wanted to make sure that the landscape screened um, our commercial neighborhoods to the west. Uh, we wanted to have the landscape that complemented the existing vegetation uh, to the east. And then as we kind of work around um, buildings K and L there, we have that retaining wall. As David mentioned previously, we wanted to make sure that we're providing landscape at the top and the bottom of that wall so that we are being a good neighbor, uh, screening those blank walls, uh, those retaining walls as much as possible for uh, our adjacent neighbors. Next slide. This is our East Amenity space. Uh, this was a space that we were trying to create um, several different areas. Um, it's directly adjacent to our commercial building, which is building I, shown on the site plan there. We wanted to try to create a uh, an open space there that uh, would be flexible for residents to be able to utilize, whether that means it's uh, for recreation or exercise or for community gatherings. We wanted that space to be fairly flexible and that would meet all the community's needs. Uh, we also wanted to make sure that this space kind of began a really positive kind of secondary circulation. So our primary circulation that David looked at uh, previously on the plan, uh, indicating that red uh, pedestrian circulation that is directly adjacent to our entry drive. 
uh, we have a secondary pathway that leads all the way kind of on the edge of the ravine uh, from this commercial building space all the way over towards uh, Forbes Creek. Uh, along this pathway, we see this is a great opportunity for residents to walk, but uh, specifically we have a space there for the dogs uh, to go off leash. And we certainly see them uh, being utilized, uh, kind of that pathway being utilized for the dog walkers as well. In our West Amenity space, we wanted to create large flexible areas uh, that could accommodate multiple user groups at the same time. Um, where we have the number five, we are currently considering uh, expanding some of that hardscape that we are indicating on this plan uh, into perhaps some turf, uh, just to provide a little bit more variety for these open spaces um, and just to try to cut down on the amount of paving. We also wanted to make sure that our amenities uh, recognize different users. So we have the pickleball court for the more active um, users. Uh, we've got picnic tables for you know, gatherings for uh, maybe community events, and then a children's play area uh, that uh, obviously is addressing the younger uh, residents. Uh, we also have a space uh, for a multimodal uh, vendor, uh, food truck, ice cream truck, whatever it happens to be. Uh, that can kind of utilize that parking space, those parking spaces there, and um, would be able to uh, park there and really enhance this space. This space really kind of becomes the, uh, the launching point for your adventures onto the CKC trail. So we've got several, we have the, the connection there that goes down. Um, we had some concerns that uh, about the appearance of the uh, detention vault um, in this area and the exposed wall and how it would relate to the CKC trail. Uh, we began to look at this section here. We knew that there was a lot of horizontal distance and a lot of existing vegetation that was down adjacent to the CKC that would provide some buffering for it. Uh, we wanted to make sure that where we were disturbing the ground and uh, trying to take advantage of burying the vault as much as possible. And um, when we revegetate that area, make sure that the vegetation that we're putting in there is going to be fairly large in scale, but um, not necessarily kind of get up and above the top of the detention vault uh, plaza area. But we wanna make sure that that landscape material uh, is complementary. is everything that we're proposing in that area is native plant materials. Our lighting, we were looking at, um, obviously this is uh, just kind of a you know, design intent. Um, this is not the actual solution and engineering needs to be kind of followed through on this. Uh, first and foremost, you know, lighting for this site is really about public safety. Uh, we wanna make sure that we are providing uh, uh, you know, a lighting concept that creates a sense of hierarchy and also allows people to kind of find their way through the site um, at night as well. So we wanna make sure that we have safe you know, circulation at nighttime and uh, we have different scale lighting that starts to do this. Uh, large scale lights along our entry drive, smaller scale lights uh, at the front doors, and then even smaller garden scale lights that are along our kind of our secondary pathways uh, that are closer to the ravine. So our landscape uh, buffer modification, if we talk about that really briefly here, 
Um, we are requesting a modification of the perimeter landscape at the south property line adjacent, adjacent to the single family homes. Uh, the buffering standard is described as a five foot wide landscape strip with a six foot high solid screening fence or wall placed directly on the property line uh, when adjacent to private property. Um, I can describe further the kind of the what is required here, but it really kind of comes down to it's a um, trees that uh, are around 10 to 15 feet on center uh, along that entire property line. Uh, we just don't believe that this is an appropriate landscape buffer for this development and for these conditions. Uh, the homes on the south property line sit uh, about 30 feet above our site. Um, there's a steep, heavily wooded uh, hillside, uh, and we've got grades here that exceed 80%. Uh, there is existing trees and understory that screens the commercial, um, the existing commercial buildings from our site and uh, really do an excellent job of screening the uh, neighboring properties. Many of the homes have all, already have existing privacy fences and other improvements that allow the homeowners the choice of privacy or views um, as they view west looking above our site. Uh, we are also concerned about any alterations to the slopes understory and canopy to accommodate new plantings. Um, we're concerned that this would adversely impact soil stability and the existing vegetation health. Um, additionally, perimeter plantings uh, will be, could be disruptive to the neighbor's views and the property line improvements that they already have in place. Uh, this issue was discussed during the conceptual design review meeting and no objections were raised. What we are proposing uh, in our LSM is to leave in place the existing heavily wooded slopes, retaining the existing vegetation, separating our community from these homes. Uh, this will create an undisturbed wooded buffer, 25 to 40 feet, uh, five to eight times wider than the code requirements. We propose a solid retaining wall that ranges in height from six feet to 14 feet at the base of the slope uh, with an additional gabion basket uh, wall that will extend above the retaining walls at the end of each of the townhomes. Uh, this will create a solid screen of up to 17 feet above the finished grade, screening much of the uh, alleys and parking areas. We propose to use primarily native plant materials adjacent to the wall, um, you know, at the tops and the bottoms, and at the south end of the townhomes to tie into the existing vegetation that we will have on site. Uh, the proposed design greatly exceeds the intent of the landscape buffer and code. Uh, the design avoids any impacts on the neighboring properties, and we believe that the design maintains the privacy for the adjacent properties. Accordingly, we ask that the planning official grant a design departure and a minor variation and approve our landscape plans as submitted. All right. Thank you very much, Scott. Um, the image that we're showing right here is also a worst case scenario. Um, in other situations on the site plan, the building is further away from the south property line and also lower. So um, that's our modification. We can answer any questions you have about that in the presentation. What we'd like to get into right now is uh, architectural, um, uh, the architectural uh, elevations and design. So um, Justin Julian with Dolan will, will lead us through this, uh, starting right here with our, um, our map of the various types of um, 
uh, architectural themes. So, Justin. Great, thanks, David. Um, as a quick overview, we have 28 buildings with 121 units that are both front and alley loaded. The front loaded buildings have two color schemes with four and five plexes. The alley loaded buildings have two color schemes and two massing variations with two, four, five, and six plex buildings. Uh, these buildings and color scheme variations have been thoughtfully dispersed throughout the site to create diversity and dynamic street scenes. All the, all, all the floor plans uh, were designed with a focus on flexibility to cater to a wide variety of potential residents. And we've provided open floor plans, bedroom or office, along with bath down, bathrooms down, and in many cases, flex spaces to provide work from home opportunities. We've also incorporated several covered upper level decks that take advantage of use, and that can be used year round. Um, also, wayfinding is a focus that's been mentioned a few times already. Um, the architecture adds another layer to this by having distinctly defined materials and, and entries to create individual individuality for the units uh, going unit to unit. Um, for the front loaded plans, we have a three story, four bed, three and a half bath with flex, approximately 2,300 to 2,400 square feet. Um, I'm only gonna point out a few of the key items for each floor given timing. But uh, for the first floor, we've provided a wide two-car garage allowing for trash storage. The entry uh, is located on the garage side and you'll see a bedroom and bath down allowing flexibility for the owner as mentioned. Um, also a covered patio oriented towards the existing landscape. Second floor, we've got a large flex room and covered deck oriented towards the view. Third floor, the primary bedroom is positioned to the rear towards towards the view once again, and the expansive windows are providing uh, natural light to penetrate each unit, both end and internal units. Uh, with the front loaded elevations, we provide a contemporary Northwest style with simple yet impactful massing and a wide variety of roof pitches and parapet walls, which create individuality to all the units. We've also incorporated private decks that are oriented towards the view. With scheme A, which is shown here. It's the darker color and brick material uh, that we have shown and shown here is also a fourplex. Scheme B is the, high, is the lighter color and brick material. Shown here is a fiveplex. One thing to note in the upper left corner, you'll find a color material legend specifying each color and material used on all the elevations. Also, we place a key map which indicates each one of these highlighted uh, buildings and where they're located in the community as well. For the alley loaded plans, we once again have three story, four bed, three and a half bath, with these units hitting approximately 1,900 to 2,100 square feet. The first floor, the main entry is off the shared paseo with an alley loaded two car garage, which once again provides space for trash as well. There's a bedroom and bath down on this plan. And then lastly, I'd like to point out the large stoops we've provided at each, each entry, which create another area for homeowners to engage with their neighbors. Second floor, we've placed the living and covered deck to the front facing the Paseo, which with these plans is the enhanced view side. Third floor, the primary bedroom is positioned once again to the front to take advantage of the view and uh, the best views. And then with the secondary bedrooms towards the rear. For alley loaded 
for the alley loaded elevations, we provided a contemporary Northwest style to provide more variety with these alley loaded uh, buildings. We've created a couple different massing variations for those that share a paseo. With simple massing and roof changes, we're able to provide additional variations to these zones. Um, here with scheme A, it complements the darker color scheme previously shown. In this duet, we're also showing two variations of the side elevations. The non-enhanced side is to be positioned facing uh, retaining and for non-visible areas within the community. The enhanced side, which provides more detail with wrapping materials and additional glazing, is situated to be seen while driving the main spine road or visible areas on the internal pedestrian walkways. Scheme A1 and A2, with these I'd like to mainly focus on the differences with the interior units. The A1 interior unit decks have screening with a vertical element and the roofs are either reverse sloped or side sloped. A2 interior units have an open deck with either a parapet or reverse sloped roof. This creating a unique uh, uniqueness between units uh, while maintaining a cohesive look within the Paseo. Scheme B complements the lighter color scheme previously shown. And scheme B1 and B2 have similar massing changes as A1 and A2 with the new lighter scheme applied. One additional item to point out with uh, this building shown here as uh, scheme B2 enhanced is an example of an enhanced rear elevation. So rear elevations are also enhanced when they're viewable on the main spine road with uh, this art additional articulation. So next following this, uh, David will walk you through the renderings we've created throughout the community, which also highlights additional items considered within the design process. Great, thank you very much. Uh, also the colors that we showed that are spelled out here are true to the colors that we're showing here in the, uh, in the images. So. Uh, so what I'm going to do is walk down from north to south and in here at the at the CKC. Um, so coming in from the north down 120th, uh, you'll see that our community rises up over uh, the the industrial buildings to the to the west. We have enhanced uh, landscape screening here, so um, it's a, above code minimum. Um, we would put a, uh, a landscape, excuse me, a entry sign feature that Scott had mentioned before would go in this location here. Um, you can see that there's natural screening uh, on the east side of 405. So we're pretty much leaving all of the uh, trees in place that, uh, that are there now. And this, this drive very closely mimics exactly what is uh, what is in place. There's two drives going up, but we're getting rid of one, landscaping it, uh, keeping the easternmost one, and that's pretty much falls in this in this location here. If you're familiar with the site, so from here you can see the other duplex um, on the corner, uh, peeking around the corner, and you can see our first um, fourplex. So the, the site starts to reveal itself and. But doesn't give itself all away, you know, anyone, uh, anyone, uh, anyone view. So coming around the corner, we're looking at we we've just come around uh, the first duplex. We're looking at the enhanced elevations of the second duplex, uh, the outer court. Looking at the pedestrian way over here, 
access to this home is along the front. You can just see the corner of the commercial building and the signage for the commercial building. And then the view here is uh, a snap of um, Forbes Creek um, in the background. You can see how the elevations add variety and, and uh, distinction to each one of these uh, buildings. So it's each vignette as you view a vignette is is different as you wind your way through the um, through the community. Um, yeah. So here's an image of our commercial building. Um, you can see that it doesn't impose on the residential on either side. Um, front doors to this residential are from this pair here. Um, you can see where the mother and daughter are, and this is the, the, the entry to the uh, second uh, duplex. The commercial building, four sides elevation, a lot of natural light, um, and we're, we're, we have this fixtured in the, in the plan here, envisioned as a, a co-working space. It can be a professional office, it can be an artist studio or a fitness studio or a dojo, um, but that's, that's what we're looking at here. So it's, that's how we conceptualize it. Now it has the opportunity for potentially, uh, you know, for a proprietor to, you know, to have, uh, you know, have a conveniently located uh, space that he controls the, or she controls the, the entirety of. So, um, moving on. This is a typical uh, paseo. Um, in this paseo, the elevation moves from, from right down, from right to left. We're uh, creating stoops on both sides as Justin said, an opportunity to, uh, to pause and, and meet the neighbors. The, the landscaping here provides some screenage, but it doesn't provide uh, you know, heavy shadows or, or cut visibility out you know, from the street down. Um, it's open enough to encourage um, the use of it as a, as a front yard for each of these units. And so we're, we're hoping that it, uh, it, it, it creates spontaneous uh, connections with, uh, with your immediate neighbors. Uh, you know, we, we think it's a much better approach than um, you know, some of the uh, 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 you know, closing corridor condominium developments that, that, we've, that we've seen so much of. Um, anyway, moving on. So here's a view looking down um, the Paseo towards, excuse me, uh, main drive towards the Forbes Creek uh, Bridge. So we've got, uh, again, more visitor parking here. We have uh, Otter Court, we have the Paseo. Um, again, another Paseo down here, uh, Otter Court over here. You can also see the combination of of units as you look down here. There's no two are next to each other, no two face each other. And in many situations, you will have very few that are adjacent to one another repeated. We can show that in a second. Um, okay. View six, 
looking even closer still towards um, Forbes Creek, Otter Court, uh, Paseo, along the front here. Um, yeah, so again, great diversity, you know, great little village feel. So right here, we are, we have crossed over Forbes Creek and we're heading down towards CKC. Uh, what you see here it, it, uh, behind this gentleman is the, the connection down to, uh, to Forbes Creek. Um, you'll see our first alley loaded uh, building with the garage doors and the front doors facing the, uh, facing the, uh, the roadway here. And um, yeah, again, more visitor parking. More raised stoops again, you know, multiple steps. Each one's a little bit different. The doors are wide enough. The entries are wide enough to uh, to decorate and customize with with plants or uh, seasonal um, uh, furnishings. Okay, so now we're we've reached almost the end of the of the journey here through the site, and what we're looking at here is our alley loaded concepts behind this is Forge Creek. Um, so we have we have here an A building, a B building, a B2, an A2, a B1, a B2, and an A2. So great diversity of, of buildings throughout. So here we have the sale. Again, there's 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 units of inside outside connection, neighbor to pedestrian. We've got walkway on both sides. We have uh, well thought out trash uh, landing zones um, uh, and auto court. So that's pretty typical of the uh, other view. Turning around, we've made it. We're down to the CKC. So with this, this view right here overlooks our recreational area, uh, looks at the wooded um, uh, buffer between our site and the CKC, and um, you can see that it's uh, uh, it's a destination worth uh, worth uh, worth making the journey for. So that concludes our uh, discussion on uh, on site plan elevations and community feel. Uh, we're here to answer any questions and. Um, yeah, we hope you can fully appreciate what we've, what we've put forward here today. Thank you. Thank you, David, very much for your presentation. Um, now it will be time for the DRB to make any questions to the applicant who would like to start. Randall, do you would like to leave? <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in. I don't. I don't have a lot of comments. I like the way they've kind of separated this out and how each you know, they've got some variation of each of the uh, the building designs and the way that they face uh, and that. And so I I do like like the way that they're doing that. It's a very tight project. You look at you know how the garages have very little room between the garage door and the streets and this type of thing. So I think they've done very well with that uh, as far as how, the, how it does come together. It 
does put density onto the site that uh, is pretty tight. Uh, I guess one of my quest biggest questions is, is guest parking. And I don't know if I fully understand your guest parking. And so is there what we got Super Bowl Sunday coming up and you got six or eight neighbors having Super Bowl parties. Where are they going to park? Could you, yeah. could you describe that just a little bit? That's a really good question. Um, I haven't been to a Super Bowl party in ages. Um, let's see what we got here. I can get up a little higher. Maybe it's a Seattle Kraken party. So there you go. Bada bing. Um, we do have parking. Uh, yeah, we we have more parking that's required by code. We have parking, of course, in two units, two two cars park in every unit. And we've got um, parking spaces provided, you know, as such along here. So everybody has a bunch of friends over. Yeah, maybe an issue, but I'm I'm pretty sure every neighborhood kind of feels that pain though too. Yeah. Uh, to the to the south south side where you've got basically neighbors that are elevated single family homes that are elevated above the project and that you made a comment that some of them have fencing and some of them don't is it you see the need to put a fence along that property line to separate you uh, from them or what what's your idea is there yeah no i appreciate that question um we really don't see the need for it and one reason being you're going to, I mean, in some cases, you're ripping out, you know, existing vegetation to, to put something in. I, I just, you know, I think the concept of it really doesn't work very well. Um, the other thing is, um, and this is in the winter, these photos, is we, you know, we push too hard. You know, we, we're going to find that there's encroachments probably on our property line. And, you know, we've, may not want to, we don't want to be bad neighbors. We don't want to be in anybody's face. Um, so yeah, we, we're, we're, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, as, as, as Scott had said, we're what, five times the, the width of, right. uh, you know, that we're, that we're required. We're so much lower. We've got a massive wall. We're landscaping on both sides of the wall. I mean, we're not afraid to landscape on the, on the north side of the site. We've, We've exceeded code in in landscaping uh, that property line. Um, I just you know, and it's kind of contrary to what we're trying to do. I mean, we're trying to let nature be nature and integrate our landscaping up into it, as opposed to force ourselves up on the perimeter and you know and, and do that. So that's 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 our thinking on it. Right. It's, it's, it's a it's a tough side because of the way that it drops. Uh, down and geotechnically, or is there some? Is there any slide zones in there that you're having to deal with? Um, there are not no slide zones per se, but what we are what we are doing is um, we're we're installing uh, catchment walls uh, along here. These gabion baskets. So 
we're anticipating that there, there could possibly be uh, some, but again, that would catch you know, surface material sliding down and off the wall itself. We're, we're not, or not, the, not the, um, the slope itself. Our geotech has looked at this quite extensively, um, and we're, you know, we're good with, uh, you know, with the retaining wall design. However, we just need to put that catchment wall on top of it. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. You know, but to be to be certain, though, if you start going up there and undermining the root structure and digging around, I think you're going to uh, you might be you might be hitting the hornet's nest a little bit. Uh, yeah. No, I think that that concludes my questions. Thank you. Thank you, Randall. Um, who'd like to be next? Yeah, I just have a couple. Go ahead. Uh, can, can you tell me what the tallest building um, in the development uh, is? Like, what's, what's some, like the, the highest point? I think the highest point is uh, 36 feet. And we are, we are far and away from the... Uh, the height limit here. Uh, if you talk, if you give me one second, I will. If you have another question to ask, I'll, I'll pull up our height study. I'll, I'll I'll let you look at that. Yeah. Um. I was also curious if anyone knows the occupant load factor for office use. I think it's one to one fifty. I think you're right, Carlos. Thank you. Uh, and then I was curious on uh, why you guys chose a pickleball court instead of a tennis court. Uh, I myself play tennis, so maybe I'm biased, but I find tennis courts are large enough that, you know, they're more versatile. You could still play pickleball on them. Kids can ride bikes or roller skate. It's just a, a good, you know, kind of flexible space. Um, and uh, I, I, I was yeah. curious what the decision making process was for that. Well, you know, I had no idea I was going to get into this discussion. You know, when you go to Alabama to develop, you got to pick sides. You're either Auburn or you're Bama. And I guess here it's pickleball or tennis. Um, we, pickleball fits in there. It's, it's, it, on Mercer Island, I, I live up the north end of Mercer Island and, and uh, uh, in Luther Burbank Park, uh, which I run through all the time, there's, Tennis courts, never seen anybody play tennis. It's always pickleball. And the other activities, of course, are the leashless dog park uh, that they have there. And then there's a group of women that uh, called the uh, the bluebirds that are a lot stronger and fitter than I am that meet in, in the outdoors uh, um, park area, similar to what we've built, and do a, a fitness routine. Uh, a couple days a week, so um, we've kind of mimicked those concepts and brought them here. Yeah, well, so, now you're um, talking you with the uh, yeah, now you're talking with the off-leash dog park. Those are really popular and sorely in need in Kirkland. Uh, any any way you could uh, find some space for that? Oh, we do have an off-leash dog park. Oh, oh, a, a big do, one. Do, <laughs> oh, a big one. Um, do you see my screen, by the way? Yes, I do. Are you y'all seeing my screen? Okay. Yeah. So maximum height allowed. 
uh, top of Ridge of highest building is 222. Um, and I believe this is 80 feet. We can go 15 feet above this. Um, and that's that's taking in uh, the base elevation of 168 over here, right? Because we have to fill on the side. Mm -hmm. And then these are all um, externally drained. They're not internal drain uh, roof drains. So they're all gutters and downspouts. They're building gutters and downspouts. Yes. Um, you know, one thing I did not mention was um, we are we we did talk about the, the the vault over here. We have a stormwater treatment vault on this side of the site and another on this side of the site. And right now, the whole site for the most part drains into a. Uh, a man-made retention pond, and then fills over the sides. And you know, we're 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 I think we're enhancing the the stormwater treatment. Yannick, you can probably chime in and educate us all a little bit more on that. But we're leave, we're we're going to leave it better than we found it in terms of stormwater. Oh yeah, no, that's that's required with the you know city and state codes. Yep. Yeah. There's minimal detention for all the impervious that's in place currently, and. Uh, we will be installing stormwater, like David mentioned, on the two sides uh, to meet the level two flow control requirement that's um, that's specified by Public Works. And uh, you'll actually see uh, probably a significant reduction in, in runoff uh, compared to what you would see today, just based on the, the required level flow control standard of when the site was originally developed and, and the standard that we're developing it to today. That's that's all for me. Just just to, David, just to help you along on the pickleball court. Uh, pickleball was invented in Seattle, and if you read the Wall Street Journal over the last twelve months, there's been like two or three articles on pickleball, and pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in the nation. And there is actually several blogs that travel to U.S. that every time they travel someplace, they find a new pickleball court to play. So it's it's the fad right now. So you you're safe there. All right, we're we're hipping in. All right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, and Brad. Brad. And Brad, just right down below this, in one of the large buildings, is actually a tennis club. So yes, yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm aware of that one, but uh, no, on the, I don't know about Mr. Island, but on the east side, tennis is very popular and difficult to get courts uh, during, you know, light hours uh, during the summer times. That's true. <laughs> you know, kids, and and like I always advocate for it because you know kids can play for their high school teams. You can get college scholarships on it. You know, it's just uh, a good travel opportunity. So. Pickleball is great. You know, I've certainly played it, but I'll always advocate for a tennis court, which can, of course, host pickleball over a pickleball court. It's just a more versatile, flexible, you know, court space. But I digress. I, okay. I hear you. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, Amy, would you like to be next? Yeah, I have a lot. Um, so I'm warning oh. you guys. Um uh, I, I'm going to start with the um, master site plan. Um, with um, with all your critical areas, are you actually enhancing any of the wetland buffers or steep slope buffers or um, 
I'm not really sure if other than those two, or, or, and then I guess the, um, the, the, what do you call this, the creek, right? You, you are planting over it. Um, and if so, mm -hmm. uh, is there any opportunities for soft surface trail to be included? Um, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean on the soft service trail, but the soft service trail, you know, part of these trails coming off site here are, are soft surface uh, trails. I don't, I believe, you know, on the back side, we're, we're looking at soft surface trails, uh, certain, and, but the, the, you know, the Paseos are all uh, a hard surface um, trail. That, that, that's, a, that's a good question. So regarding the, the wetlands, um, you know, in many respects, we're, you know, we're, we're leaving it better than we found it. I mean, this is, this is all wetland setback that we're, that we're showing here. And right now it's, it's paved. Um, so we're opening, opening that up and, and expanding it out. Um, you know, there's actually a small wetland um, on, the, on the east side, or excuse me, the west side of the site over here in, in the trees and we're, where if you walk the site, you probably wouldn't even see it, but we're, we're setting that aside with a, with a buffer. Um, I think in more cases than not, we're leaving things uh, better than we find them. And certainly we are not encroaching into, into any wetlands. Uh, what's more, we've had a biologist who's been out there numerous times uh, and, and put together a report. The report's been uh, reviewed by, um, uh, uh, third-party wetland consultant for the city, um, including uh, we've also uh, contracted with a hydrologist as well, uh, and our work will be all inspected by the third party. We'll have our biologist uh, on board throughout uh, throughout construction as well. So I mean, it's we're we're, we're you know we're not doing it just because we have to. We we want to be good stewards, and it's important to us. So, Amy, I think you had more complex question than I answered. Do you was there something else? Yeah, um, uh, you know. So, I mean, we we'll just ask for additional information because I, I'm I'm not sure I understand your answer because what I, what I'm curious about is in 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 a lot of jurisdictions, if you uh, I think you're doing buffer averaging, right? Yes, yes, we are for your wetlands. Okay, so I don't know what the city of Kirkland's requirements are, but in 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 cases where in in some other jurisdictions I've worked for, um, you know, if you if you're if you're doing buffer averaging, you're still required to enhance the existing wetland buffer or the wetland itself, um, and and which means that you would um, remove any of the um, you know uh, invasive species and um, and, and restore the, you know, the quality of the wetlands. And in cases like that, there's always opportunities for uh, adding, you know, soft surface trails, which will expand your areas for recreation. So that's what I'm really interested in. I, I mean, the DRB doesn't review environmental and critical areas, but in, in terms of how it, in, it's integrated into your site, site design that's what i'm interested in i guess i can uh, yeah. in here a little bit as well just on the buffer averaging request 
Um, you know, it's part of the Kirkland Zoning Code, Chapter 90, I believe, subsection um, 9115, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but David and his team at this point have um, submitted a request responding to the responding to the criteria under that code section. Um, and they've given us a packet that includes a um, buffer enhancement and mitigation plan that addresses um, yeah, all the all the planting requirements that is uh, to be peer reviewed by um, the city's consultant. So we're in the works on that right now. It, it hasn't been determined yet, and the, the planning official will uh, be overseeing that. So that's me. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Um, so my, my next question is, um, I'm just trying to understand where all your retaining walls are and the 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 topography of your site. If if I'm if I'm if if we start at the north end, um, on the um, east side, the properties abutting your property are actually higher, correct? That's where you were showing the section where you have the trees and um, yeah. yeah. So they are, and so this this is a a, a grading plan here. Um, we're showing elevations to the north of 220 feet. We're showing our base elevation of 187 feet, our pad of 185 feet. Um, and as we move down, you know, down the site a little bit more, this is again more retaining walls. Um, you know, we're we're up at 194 top of wall, 220. Up here as we approach 405, um, I believe we had a couple of 230s, 220, 230 right here with a, again, the base elevation of 197, 192, uh, 192. So we are, we are way below those houses. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and, then, and, and then what about on the opposite side uh, by, the, uh, by yeah. the CKC? The side that's running along uh, the CKC. Right. So coming down to the CKC, uh, our base elevations are 180, and we're looking at 160, 156. Right here, 162 is about at the property line. So we're, you know, there's there's a there's a fair drop off. There's a fair amount of grade and contours here. Um, you know, but you're also higher. We, can, we can still we are higher, yes, we're higher. Okay. Um yeah, so the site the site slopes up from 162 to like 230. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um yeah, so uh, uh this will just be for future, you know, for your next round of review that uh you know it would really help if you do a site cross-section so we can understand where you know what what's visible let's say from the the cross kirkland corridor right um and what's visible from the gts interior building um you know of your site uh, I, I you know i don't think i have any concerns on the other side it's more of the side that's uh you know uh would be visible from the trail. Um, okay, so moving on. Um, uh, again, for future 
review um we'd like to see you know like uh, an idea of what are you using concrete retaining walls or are you using uh yeah I, I mean i'm not really sure what type of uh, retaining wall system you're using so we'd like to understand that um you also have that to you right now i mean i would i would like to give you as many answers as possible to keep that list down or, or not go to the, to the next okay, level but okay. just walking right through the site now i mean we're looking at a um a soldier pile wall along here this would mm. be a ready rock wall more of a modulated block wall going down modulated block coming along here moving um moving further up site. So here we have no wall. We just have a gabion wall, the gabion basket wall. Uh, it's more of a catchment wall. Uh, coming up along here again is a, um, a, a ready rock uh, wall. Uh, same here. Then it transfers into a soldier pile wall. Uh, back to ready rock, rock, ready rock. And so it's a combination of, of the two. Over mm -hmm. here, this is pretty much going to be landscape sloping down. Um, here's a concrete wall that we're going to landscape. Again, this is our property on this side too, so we we are, we are landscaping over here. Um, you know, the the profile itself is. I mean, this is the profile, of course, from the trail, and I, I'm not sure you know, if that answers answers your question. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, from in the winter, can you see through? Probably so, but we, you won't be able to see our wall. I mean, we've, we've been asked to, to landscape here to, to avoid the exposure of a, of a you know, this big embankment uh, on the, uh, on the side there. So we're, we're, we're landscaping that. Um, you know, we, we showed you worst case scenario, um, profile here building that's the closest to the property line and, the and what's the distance what's the distance between distance. your retaining wall and the building and your your residential structure um yeah so i can tell you quickly yeah do you know off the top of your head the minimum distance is five feet but typically we've we've gone for 10 feet or greater where we can. And, and, the, and you're uh, planning to, to I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, and the distance to property line is, uh, this is 25 feet to the wall plus another five, so it's 30 feet. As, as we move down the, um, as we move down, we're up to almost 40 feet to the wall plus another five to seven feet. And again, the elevation here is 228, 220, 220. So, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're so far below our, our max elevation too. I mean, we're, we're keeping it low and we're keeping it at a, uh, you know, a very pedestrian friendly uh, scale where we're, yeah, yeah so try not to be a truth so um i uh, i'm not understanding um isn't it isn't that your retaining wall that's close to the building 
Yes, I mean, you're showing a proper, yeah, you're, you're showing your property line further away, but yeah, that's your retaining wall, right? So yes. how far is that from the building? That's not 40 uh, yeah. feet. Five to seven feet, five to seven feet. And as, as Yannicka just said, minimum of five feet, and it's, you know, 10 feet, seven feet. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, next question. Um, your color palette, is it basically gray, brown, and white for every building? Um, basically gray, brown, I mean, and white for every building. Right, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm seeing everything looks the same, like they're all the same colors, but I'm not sure if it's because you haven't developed your color palette or it's because that's, you know, like, because I've seen some applicants who would use just a basic, you know, three colors just to differentiate the, you know, the, you know, the layers of their building. But I'm not sure if you're thinking that these are the only three palette. I mean, your palette will be uh, these three colors for all the buildings. I can step in for a second. Uh, there's a couple of different color schemes that are provided um, in within the full package that was submitted as well. There was also a detailed color and material legend with all colored elevations showing all the schemes. Um, if you go up, um, David, maybe we could show a scheme A and then a scheme B. So here's scheme A. But a lot of them are your warm grays and warm tones throughout and, and light colors of pop, but. Uh, they all look gray, white, and brown to me. Is there anything I'm missing here? They are. Um, no. Yes, they're not, they're not completely different. And I, no, I mean, they, you know, right? yeah. very, they're very handsome. I mean, we're, we, we really, we really, really like the Okay, next question. Your Paseo, how wide are they? Paseos. Um, Paseos are, do we do we have an average width on that? 24 feet, I believe, 20 at the, at the most narrow. I can chime in. So 25 is the minimum on those, and we uh, strive to get 30 um, across the board. So there's few instances where we drop under 30, but generally about 30 feet from face to building um or between the two faces of buildings do you have a detail of one of them where we can see like um, how wide are the sidewalks and uh i think you have a sidewalk a shared sidewalk that runs in the middle right and then you have landscaping uh, yes that's correct we do have a shared sidewalk that, that runs through through the middle um and how wide is that sidewalk? That would be a five foot sidewalk that runs along the, the main road. Mm -hmm. So it's basically around 10 feet, you know, I would call a front yard setback for each building. Sure, if you've got 20, 25 feet and 10, five and 10. Mm -hmm. Um, and how wide are the sidewalks along the main artery? You know, what, what, I can't remember what you call it, but the main spine. That, that's five feet as well. Okay. 
Um, all right. So, um, so you're building M. I see stairs. And how do you get to the front doors? Do you have to get go up the stairs or is there like a major change in elevation there? So you have two, uh, two ways of getting to the units? Um, yeah, so building M is, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna approach it by stair. Or you come in from the garage and um, it's at elevation, it's at grade. Okay, but building M has, um, I can't remember the term that you use. Basically, you do have porches, right? We have stoops up there, yes. Yeah, so in building A and B, the one closest to the pickleball court, there's no porches and there's no stoops. You have, the only way you can get in is through the garage. The garage side. No, 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 no. It's the, the, yeah, no, the main entry is on the garage side. However, it has its own front porch. If you go to the front right. first floor on the. So you have a you have a covered porch coming in in the foyer, and then you actually have a covered porch in the back uh, going out. Um, Unloaded plans are loaded by garage and front door on the same side. So, so technically, you do have two doors. Yes. Uh, I mean, what? I so, mean, what? What is that porch? So then, what? Where does? So you have a porch on the on the quote unquote the opposite side of the garage. But is there a sidewalk to get to it? No, there, that's a, a rear porch uh, to a private backyard for those units. Ah, so it's really a patio. Yes. Like a, no, right. not really right. a front porch, right? And um, can you... A rear porch is a patio. So can you, can you show us uh, your landscape plan for that, those two buildings? Or even if it's the master plan. For A and B. Um, yeah, just a Here, David, let me, I've got, I've got it open. Great, thank you. Yeah, I'm Can you give me control, Dave? Yeah, go ahead.
I'm not seeing control of it. Yeah. There we go. Okay. I don't see your screen, Scott. Yep, I finally finally got control of it now. Okay. All right, can everybody see the black and white landscapes plan? No, I cannot not, see not it. yet. Behaving slowly. There we go. Thank okay. you. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It was just behaving very slowly there. Uh, so, building A, uh, I think, which was what you were talking about, Amy, here. So, we've got kind of our front doors are going to be at these locations here. And then what uh, Justin was referring to is kind of these private patio spaces that are going to be at grade are at this location. So that those will be pretty much right at grade for this small little bit of landscape space that we have here. How about B? Similar sort of a condition. Um, we've got the front doors at those four locations there, the small private patios. I think that this one is going to be slightly elevated, uh, but these will be pretty much at grade of the landscape that we have there. Yeah, also, Amy, we have um, exterior decks on the second floor on the living area for both of these buildings as well. So um, I see, uh, and maybe I'm not understanding why, but um, why can't you put front doors on that side and have a walkway? Because it looks like you do have space where you have all that landscaping. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, we have back doors over there, but you know, it feels like we're you know, removing those entrances away from the community. And it, it's kind of, you know, it, I don't want to put the, you know, the utility end, you know, uh, because that is also our, our, you know, our, our corridor down to the trail, it's going to be a, you know, heavy pedestrian traffic going through there. We think it, you know, makes sense to, to face the, um, to face the, uh, uh, the, the pedestrian way and, and, um, Otherwise, I just I feel like you're turning your back on the, you know, the building's turning its back on the um, on the community. I mean, having the front doors over there, I think, is as as are shown, uh, really connects to the rest of the site. Yeah. So my my main concern is you have your sidewalk where uh, it conflicts with obviously the garage. Right. I mean, that's where the cars are going to come in and out, uh, you know, as much as possible. Um, you know, um, you, you, it seems like you do have the option of having pedestrians actually use this southern sidewalk as a main way. And I'm not really sure why that sidewalk is not even connected to, you know, on building AA. 
like you seem to have a sidewalk that just suddenly ends. That that um, is uh, kind of just our pads for uh, garbage staging. It's not a not a truly a circulation pathway. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, we could make that connection. Uh, you know, uh, we could we could make that connection. You know, and 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 Amy on Building C, you'll notice that. Um, you know, because we're, we're, we're not really, you know, we've got the front doors on the opposite side. We've got the, we've got the grades that allow us to do that. And the front doors are facing a, uh, you know, the creek. And then on the other side of the Forge Creek, the doors are, are, are facing as, as well. So, uh, you know, in that situation, I think it makes sense uh, to run the, we can go to that site plan, you know, to run doors on, uh, on the opposite side. But you know the other thing is, and we were very careful about this. There's um, only these buildings A, B, and C that uh, exit onto the um, the spine road, and they're all the way at the end of the of the project. So there's going to be minimum traffic coming back and forth. But but C has a um, the same configuration as the rest of your buildings right where it does have a stoop and it has a you know a walkway like a paseo david's referring to the garage doors being on the main spine road we're we're trying to eliminate that as much as possible so it's more of a front door uh centric um spine road coming through so anything along that spine road towards the front of the site is all either front doors or enhanced side elevations, and your access into those alley-loaded product are through a, uh, a side alley. So, so, so C is reflected um, by D on the other side of the creek. So in, in essence, you've got you know uh, an extra wide paseo, which right. is this creek bed, and it, and it makes sense to, to do that here. You know, we, we're, because the grades fall away so quickly behind a and B, um, and you know, we feel like that's kind of you're not facing anything. You're you're moving away from the community. Um, we you know we feel like it's much better to have the doors, uh, the front doors, um, facing the the main road. Ah, okay. Um, let's see. Um, in your um. Some of your conceptual perspective, uh, you know, um, you know, I really appreciate one of the things that I really like is how you provided balconies on the second floor along the spine. So it does, you know, so at least your buildings are not turning their backs on the main spine where is also the main, you know, in a lot of cases, the main pedestrian paths. Um, but I, I, I did notice that the tree seems to be very small. Some of your drawings, the trees were as tall as the people. So it doesn't look like they're trees. They're more like big shrubs. So can you clarify? I mean, I mean, don't you, I mean, it seems to me that you do have enough space between the building and the sidewalk to put bigger trees than what you're showing. Can I share screen, uh, Scott? Yep.
Yeah, yeah, still seeing your screen. Yeah, I'm. I, nothing's popping up as far as you're relinquishing kind of control here. Uh, yeah, Scott, we could talk about this. Um, you know, the possibility of uh, putting some some larger trees in there, but let's let's talk about what we're what we have and just make sure understanding these question clearly. So, appreciate these questions, Amy. Um, can you see my screen? Site plan? Yes, we can see it. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, is this the side that you had in mind? So, it's not the Paseo, it's on the spine. Um, I can look for the sheet number. These are on the spine right here. Okay, you you got more. Wanna... Again, on the spine. Yeah, see, look at that. Um, see those two people further back? See how your tree looks like? They're, they're like a small tree. I mean, that, that yeah, almost yeah. looks like it's only 10 feet tall. Um, are, are, are you talking about this tree? Yeah. No, that, 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 that tree is probably closer to about 25 feet tall. Um, let me look to see what exactly that tree species is. So, yeah, so maybe if we can see in, in the next round of review, you know, the height of, you know, based on the species, what, well, they're, what's they're, the expected they're, they're, height. They, they are accurately rendered uh, for what the tree species is. We can give you that answer, answer right now. Um, I mean, this, this man is six feet. I mean, that's, that's correct. Well, yep. Oh, he's pretty 15 feet high. No, uh, I would say, I would assume no. that they are closer to 20, 25 feet tall. Uh, that's a starlight dogwood, so it is going to get around 30 feet tall. So, okay, so, uh, um, you know, I have to confess this is a big side. So I tried as much as possible to um, understand your landscape plan, but it's a lot of plants. So maybe at our next round, if you can do like a, a, a tree planting diagram that shows the height, you know, color code the trees, right? You don't have to call them out, but color code them in terms of height. Like, what are we expecting? What are we, you know, what are we expecting for the trees in a Paseo versus on, yeah, you know, for, you know, in the, you know, I'm expecting that the trees and the, um, in the in the wetland buffer will will be significantly larger um, because you would be required to plant native plantings there. Um, but it just really helps to understand your tree canopy because I, I you know I mean in looking at uh, yeah I can't I can't tell I mean what I'm seeing here it doesn't that doesn't look like a 25 foot tree right and that's you know, um, I mean, so so it it would just help to understand what you're really planting. Yeah, so these are really small. They're all looking like small trees. Amy, do you have any other questions? Let's just keep it moving. Yeah. Um. So lighting. Um. 
you are calling small scale pedestrian lighting to complement your um, other lighting. And uh, I, are these supposed to be bollards or like, are they low lighting? Like low as in, you know, waist height or and below lighting? That's, that's one of the concepts we're, we're, we're looking at, yes. Okay. Uh, so anyway, let me double check, make sure I covered everything. Yeah. Um, so for your next round, um, you know, um, I still don't understand. Um, I know you are calling some of the sidewalks as garbage staging areas. And if that's the case, um, you know, uh, for your next site plan, can we at least see where all those areas are um, in relation to the sidewalks? They're they're separate from the from the sidewalk, and we can we can we can call that out. We've got separate uh, garbage over here. These are in the driveways themselves for the front loaded buildings or the buildings with drivers on the the main drive. Um, again, back in the driveway, uh, we're on the sidewalk here. Do we fatten that curve, uh, fatten that sidewalk for it? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not as concerned about them in, in, in terms of, it's just once a week that you're going to bring out your bins. I'm more concerned about, you know, um, I'm seeing what I thought are sidewalks, but if that's, you know, in other words, I'd like to understand better when you talk about how you have continuous sidewalks on your entire site. And um, mm -hmm. I'm not seeing that, you know, um, very clearly. So I'm just trying to understand how that all works. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, 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 we've got a, uh, a continuous sidewalk that runs the length of the spine road uninterrupted. We have sidewalk. How was that? What's this? The next sheet, as the as that clearly outlined. So um, you do have a continuous sidewalk on one side. And then for, and, and so for, let's say the buildings M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, they would cross the street in order to get to the continuous sidewalk. Uh, that is true. And, and, we, and we can talk about that. So adding, adding sidewalks on both sides is just going to, is gonna, we feel like it's gonna kill the scale of this pier. I mean, we've, we've already got a, a wide road and a sidewalk. We've got ample landscaping on on both sides, and it's you know we just don't need to put uh, the extra hardscape here. And, you know we do have uh, walkways in the backside of the building where they're where they're going to be of more use. Um, and when you when you look down our um, our, our roads, they're, they're frankly just not that wide. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, you know um. You know, so instead of putting sidewalks on the other side of your spine, one of the thoughts I had is, could you, could, 
anyway, we're not talking about, well, let me backtrack. Where you have your crosswalks, I know they're flush to the, um, the, the vehicular passage or, or um, what do you call this, the vehicular pavement. Could you raise that so that you now have more like a table? And, um, um, and, um, and, and, and have, you know, um, almost like a visual and, and, and comfortable, more, more of a comfortable walkway for people to cross. Um, yeah, I mean, we're generally not in favor of putting tables in and, and it just if you're snow plowing and it's a wreck and, um, mm, okay. but, you know, the, the idea also you're riding your bike down and it's, it's just one more thing, but, uh, you know, perhaps a, a textured, um, and separately color coded something, maybe a little bit different. We, we could, we could do that. I mean, we're, we're. Mm -hmm. Open to suggestions. We want to. We want to. You know, naturally make it functional. Uh, yes, keep costs down. Um, but you know, if if, if it's going to mean, you know, avoiding another round, uh, we, we you know we put a bridge across. Okay, so that's all I have. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Fatima. No, no questions. I like the well put presentations, what, what they've presented so far. It's a well put presentation. And yeah, Amy has covered most of it. So, no questions. Thank you, Fatima. Thank you very much. Uh, so, it's my turn, David. Uh, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, so, um, in terms of uh, pedestrian access, uh, you're providing uh, one uh, sidewalk that is going from the um, main entry of, I guess, uh, this whole development all the way to uh, the back uh, where you have the AA, BB, CC uh, units or modules. Uh, um, could you talk more about uh, the uh, pedestrian experience and what amenities you are bringing to this site? Uh, and the reason is because this is a really long walk and uh, I don't know if like a school bus is gonna be dropping uh, kids uh, at the, um, vehicular access, well, the main entry to the whole development, and they'll need to walk all the way uh, to the uh, furthest point. Uh, and uh, if so, uh, I guess that uh, seating and uh, plenty of seating and some uh, weather protection would be nice to add, uh, just to enhance that uh, through um, pedestrian experience that uh, you are um, showcasing here. So do you have any comments about that? Where can we find it? Do you have any new plans? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, that that is a bit of a, uh, a bit of a journey to get from one end to the other. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I you know, what, what could we do? I mean, if, if I was a kid and I had to do it, I'd probably take my scooter and go down and, and maybe we should have a, um, place to lock your bike or something or you know a bike rack down at the you know down by the commercial building um so that that's that's a great idea um i you know we hadn't thought about putting a, a covered uh bus stop there that 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 is interesting I mean, you know it's you know again part of 
you know, you've, you've got, uh, on the one hand, you know, we're trying to create this outdoor activity place, you know, where, where walking is kind of the, the, the theme and it encourages people to get out and, and, and do that. On the other hand, we're, we're talking about providing a, uh, amenities for all ages, and that includes, you know, kindergartners to uh, elderly uh, people as well. And, you know, their, their idea of walking um, and getting to the bus stop might be completely different from, from uh, a, a, uh, a young adult. So I hadn't considered that. Um, yeah, I think I'd, uh, we can support just exploring since you guys have like a really long uh, distance and it's not only for kids, but also for adults and uh, older people just to create these pockets. You already have the landscape and the, the areas uh, where they can like have a take a rest. Uh, weather protection would uh, be preferred since uh, Seattle, it rains a lot. So uh, maybe this could be a good uh, opportunity for um, your team to, to add uh, more, um, uh, or um, increase the pedestrian experience uh, throughout uh, this uh, site. Um, I'm guessing that um, just, I didn't see a uh, building or or cross sections throughout kind of like the, the property, uh, special emphasis on the uh, south uh, portion of the property and where the air's proximity with the um, CKC. I know you have like some schematic, but it would be nice uh, just to see um, something close. I don't know if that's something that you guys have developed or or have prepared. We, we can. Um, so, so, so we have the cross section right here, right? Um, what, what would you like? What would you like to see? Well, I, I think at the, uh, and I was just looking at kind of like the um, design guidelines. There are like some requirements if you go to um, the page certify regarding a protection and enhancement of wooded slopes. So I, I was just curious to see uh, what's kind of like experience uh, having um, that type of a change of grade um, with uh, buildings A, B, um, and uh, their relationship with the CKC and uh, buildings uh, CC, BB, AA, CZ um, in relationship to the uh, South properties. I, I, I think I saw one section, but uh, it would be just interesting to um, see the other ones. Yeah, something like even like that, that kind of like the peaks uh, better uh, what you guys are intending in terms of, I think one section is going to talk about uh, Landscaping selection, uh, building massing, and relationship with other adjacent properties. But uh, I guess that I'll leave it to that. Um, and uh, um, uh, with that, I'll uh, I'll end my round of questions. Now uh, I think I will uh, just uh, proceed um, uh, with the audience. Um, now will be time for anyone in the audience to make any comments on this uh, project specifically. Uh, John, do we have um, anyone in the list? Yes, we have several people. Um, so I'll just go down the list. So when you are called upon, can you please state your full name, uh, provide your email address, and then spell your email address, please? And then I believe you're limited to three minutes. I think you should see a timer um, when it's your time to speak. Uh, so first up on the list, I see Lisa McConnell. 
Hi, Lisa. Hey, Lisa, you're muted. I think it's still muted. There we go. Okay. Name is uh, Lisa McConnell. My email address is mccllacksmercy at gmail.com. Um, just a few comments. Um, I've dealt with the uh, Toll Brothers before. Um, they've done the um, 65th Lane um, townhouse um, uh, development net behind um, at market in my neighborhood. And I found them to be conscientious developers and very good stewards. Um, I'm also a dog owner. Um, I'd also, I'd, and I think this is development is going to have a large ratio of dog owners because of the CKC and some of the amenities that the developers are planning on offering. Um, it's like catnip for the dog owners to have such a great walking condition. But um, as diligent as most dog owners are, um, I don't think they pick up their pet waste as, as diligently as they would like to think they do. Um, so I'd like to see some fencing like the CKC fencing that they have, that that peeled log um, triple rail fence um, to sort of keep the dogs from going straight into some of the wetland areas and along the trails. Um, <clears throat> I would also like to see pervious surfaces rather than paved um, paths leading from the CKC past um, the, the pickle, like the pickleball courts. Um, if you could have like stone pavers or um, pervious surfaces, um, maybe some soft surfaces for the northern ends that connect up to the Forbes Creek. Um, there was a statement that um, there was supposed to be a cluster. I saw in the picture of the landscape section, Alley A, West Elevation, Building BB at the base of the Gabion Wall, um, there was bamboo. Please, God, do not put <laughs> bamboo. And um, Mother Nature is relentless, and so is bamboo. Um, I live next to somebody who chose that as a landscape um, alternative, and um, particularly since the um, the Forbes Creek can carry um, uh, plant material downstream to delicate wetland ecosystems. I would prefer not using the use of bamboo and maybe some other uh, plant material at the bottom of the, um, at the base of the Gabion walls. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you very much. Uh, next is Eileen Forster. Hello, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. I just want to say this looks like a very ambitious effort, and I think it's going to be great. Some minor tweaking probably needs to happen. Um, what I'm observing is that the pedestrian access it's it's going to be really difficult. I spent a lot of time at the apartments next to the uh, Totem West QFC. And what happens is those Amazon trucks, they want to pull into the smooth side of the road. And we have, four, uh, well, 30% of our population is differently able. So they're going to be tending toward that smooth side of the road without the curb as well. And it puts everyone in the street. And this is a lot of people we're talking about. Um, 
there's a lot of preschoolers going to Lake Washington School District these days, five-year-olds, people in wheelchairs, walkers. It's hugely difficult to navigate the apartments next to QFC. And, you know, this is way beyond what I could approach. But if you want to have the experience, get in a wheelchair and try to navigate that area in the apartments near QFC. They're kind of like these row houses, which are beautiful. It, it kind of reminds me back in, you know, the 1930s Ireland and all that. But the reality is, if we want to keep those cars in the garage all weekend, then we have to have a way for the delivery people to come in and it's four or five spots on the end there. That's not going to do it. The new Amazon cargo vans are bigger than the ones we have now. So, I mean, the answers will come. But just as I'm observing this generally, I think placing all those rectangle clusters at an angle to that long straight shot will take care of a lot of problems. And I would definitely put curbed sidewalks on either side because as irritating as that is for the pedestrian, it will save lives down the road. You know, even I, I want to go to the smooth too because nobody wants to do the upy downy for every driveway and every alley pushing through those wheelchair aprons. But it's not going to be as smooth and nice as we see in the pictures. There's going to be a lot of people, babies in prams, just everybody's going to want to be outside when it's sunny. So that's all my comments. I know it'll get all figured out. And thank you for listening. Eileen, thank you very much. Eileen did you provide your email? My email is E-I-L-E-E-N-F-O-R-S-T-E-R at Comcast.net. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Okay, next up is Linda. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, Linda, okay. we can hear you. I just wanted to say first, thank you, Kyle, for answering my emails today. It was very thorough. Okay, so I have more questions than comments. Um, it was noted that the roads in the complex are not that wide. How are you accommodating for fire and emergency service access and parking? Um, we've had times where there's been five police cars in our neighborhood because they're chasing someone down the trail. And so I, I'm not seeing the, you know, width in the roadways to accommodate for fire trucks. We don't have very many natural forested areas like this in the city of Kirkland left, and especially not on the trail. I'm not familiar with what the city can do with private properties. However, the city of Kirkland has always championed the protection of the environment. This development will definitely affect the Kirkland corridor trail, the indigenous wildlife. It will definitely take away from the natural beauty of, the, of this forested natural wooded area and the trail walk. Regarding the critical areas, the wetlands and Forbes Creek, building a buffer is great during construction and meeting inspections after. However, how do you plan to protect these wildlands, wetlands, and critical areas after people move into the housing? Right now, the natural wooded areas create a natural buffer because you can't really get into the wetland areas because of how thick the wooded areas are. A man-made buffer wouldn't necessarily protect the areas after people move in there, including kids and dogs that um, someone mentioned earlier, perhaps. Um, so if you are 
allowing an average buffering, which I don't know what that means because I don't know what chapter nine subsection 160 or whatever is, but you know, I, I'm wondering why are we allowing for an average buffering? Um, you know, the city of Kirkland has also been educating the community about rainwater and how new developments need to um, uh, manage their rainwater management more, you know, so even in their outline online, it says that concreted areas um, create more pollution. And so, again, during construction and after inspection, that's great. But how do we manage the pollution in this area when we have um, taken out the natural forest, uh, which supports a natural rainwater system and uh, where it could create more pollution? Um, you know, I'm not saying that the Toll Brothers can't or shouldn't develop in their own property, but I am wondering if they can develop on the existing commercial areas, which is already cemented, and leave the forested areas alone. Thank you. Linda, can you pl please provide your email address? Oh, L you. oh you emailed me today. Lchopat oh. at gmail.com. Thank you. Linda Linda Pack, L-Y-N-D-A Pack, P-A-K. Okay. Thanks, Linda. Thank you. All right, next we have uh, Kristen. Hi, good evening. My name is Kristen. My email address is Kristen Dashin, which is spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-N-D-A-S-H-E-N at gmail.com. Can you hear me? Because the timer hasn't started. So I just want to make sure. Yes, we can hear you. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I was wondering about the pathways connecting this new development to the trails. I know that there is a pathway proposed at the west, two pathways proposed kind of towards the west end of the development. One that sort of goes northwest, connecting straight to the Cross Kirkland corridor, and then another a public pathway that would go towards the stairs on 116th. And I have a concern about that pathway towards the stairs on 116th. As it was noted earlier, there doesn't seem to be very, very much guest parking in this development. When I was trying to count the number of parking spaces, when I was looking at the plans, it looked like about 15 guest parking spaces for 121 units. Um, and I have a real concern as a community member in that area, that neighborhood above, of people parking in our neighborhood and then using that as a way into um, going down those stairs and using that as a way in and just about traffic into the neighborhood above and the possible parking and then using that as a thoroughfare into the development. So I would love to see the um, pathway that connects straight from the west to the 116th stairs be eliminated and only have the pathway going to the Cross Kirkland corridor. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, next we have uh, Bernard. Good evening, my name is Bernard. And my email address is bpack94 at me.com. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. I had a couple of questions in regards to uh, the slope. 
Uh, the slope on the south side of the building, I'm concerned about how deep it goes. And I understand you've created a lot more space in that area. But so say that when you do the work in construction and worst case scenario happens, there becomes a slide where it will encroach onto the residents on that south side. Who will be ultimately responsible, say, if there's damage on that? Because you're doing that kind of work and that grade is very, very deep. I'm, I'm concerned about that location. Number two, where the buildings were are at AABBCC, that's that heavy wooded area. And my concern is about the environment. I've walked that corridor and I've seen animals there in regards to like, I, I've really seen eagles or owls or any of the frogs or indigenous animal life in that area. How often are we, are you able to have the biology reports on that? Because um, it's enough people go in there seasonally, you know, four times to see what wildlife is present at that location. Because you never know, you are going there uh, and just really just, mowing everything down in that area and i'm concerned as to are we doing some creative damage to that environment where you have those indigenous animals in that position so i'm curious as the epa is involved um and when they do come in do they do the checks on it and do they do it regularly in that location and that would be it those are my two main concerns thank you Okay, so next we have Leanne Fremd. Yes, hi, Leanne Fremd. Uh, email address is LJ, and then my last name, F-R-E-M-D at Yahoo. So thank you for the opportunity to, um, to talk to you. I wanted to, I live up 116th at the top of the hill. Um, and I was surprised a little bit early when somebody said that the traffic wouldn't be, shouldn't be bad or any traffic concerns, um, coming out of this, uh, new project as there's only one way in and one way out. I, uh, begged to probably differ with that comment. Um, so are there any uh, plans to address the traffic? Um, you are adding, you know, 200 some odd, uh, people. Uh, additional coming down that street and then hitting the intersection of 116th and 120th. So, I mean, there's already an issue with traffic in the afternoon with the elementary school getting out and then their buses going down the hill to 120th. And you also have workers that are getting off work at that time. So that just adds to the congestion. In addition to that, I don't know if it was looked at, but there are several businesses just north of this project that have large trucks that go in and out of businesses and will cause uh, traffic to stop while they're backing the trucks into their parking lots. And lastly, for the traffic concerns, there's a new seven story building just up the street, Forbes Creek, that has a residential of 140 units. So that's an additional 200 cars plus the commercial that will be adding traffic going down 116th to 120th intersection. And that's supposed to open up in 2020. So that's be additional 280 cars in addition to this one, which will be, you know, over 250. So that is the concern there for traffic. 
that's already a concern and this will multiply it. And the second one is just as far as where are the construction workers going to park? Right now, the Forbes Creek project has construction workers all in the cul-de-sacs, all in the residential areas, and will be there for two to three years. So that's another concern. So those are my major concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have Amy. Hi, um, Amy Sipsel. My email is aimee at yahoo.com. So my, um, just listening, uh, thank you for having this presentation. Um, my main concern that I don't feel like anyone really addressed and it was kind of glossed over was the whole lighting of this new development. Um, we live above the development on the south side on 116th. And I'm just wondering, are there going to be huge street lights shining brightly at all hours of the night um, around the pickleball court? Are there, is there going to be lighting that's on continuously? Um, currently, the, um, the uh, tennis facility indoor tennis facility has a huge light on it that shines directly into the neighborhood up here. And especially in the winter time, because a lot of your drawings were in the summertime when all the deciduous, deciduous trees have leaves on them. Um, there are not that many evergreen trees and there's an abundance of light that hits up in this neighborhood. So I'm very concerned about what the lighting is gonna be on this development. And that's my main concern based on other questions. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, so it looks like Amy was the last person. Um, if there's any others that would like to speak, now's your chance. Um, please raise your hand. Okay, I think that's it, Carlos. All right. Okay, well, uh, thank you. So let's go ahead and jump into the liberation. If anyone wants to start, that'd be great. If no, I'll, I'll pick someone. Hmm. Um, I can start. Um, first, I'd like to say thank you to um, everyone who showed up tonight and sat through the meeting to make their comments. Um, I think it's always a valuable addition to the board when we hear from the public. It doesn't always happen on all the projects. So it's always welcome to hear people's opinions. Um, and that goes as well for everyone who's written in. Uh, I have read a lot of the emails that have come in from the public. Um, and one of which I'll give a shout out to a Timothy Anders. Uh, his email, I agreed with a lot of the points um, that he made. Um, in it, he talked about um, uh, kind of a lack of transportation, the number of homes, traffic, um, something that we've heard echoed in a lot of the comments tonight. Uh, and he actually ended up quoting some of the zoning code um, that requires retail and office establishments for the development. Um, so that uh, caused me to do a little bit of a deeper dive myself. Um, we have 120 some odd units proposed. Um, who knows how many thousands of square feet of residential and only I believe it was 880 square feet 
of office. Uh, Carlos, you hit the nail on the head. It is 150 square feet per person for an office. That gives us a grand total of, hold on, I wrote down here, 5.8. That's 5.8 people for our entire office and retail section of this development. Um, and after reading Timothy's um, email, uh, I dove into the design guidelines for the Totem Lake Business District. I'm not sure how many of you guys uh, refreshed yourself before this project and this meeting about it. But if you go in here, uh, it talks a lot about Totem Lake 10 uh, D and E and their vision, the city's vision um, uh, for what this development is supposed to be like. And a lot of the sketches and a lot of the description really talks about a mid-rise five over one mixed use district. And uh, in Timothy's email, I can read a portion of it. Um, uh, where is it? He said um, that uh, essentially uh, the inclusion of a single small pad for a future commercial use clearly indicates a lack of integration of the mixed use requirements. Uh, in the design proposal. And gosh, gosh darn it, I have to agree with them. Um, uh, it was quoted uh, at the beginning of the introduction by the applicant that um, they want this to be uh, a village feel. And it's not a five over one building that's not well received or something like that. Um, but that's exactly what we've got going in Totem Lake and in uh, Juanita. And those are very popular and successful mid-rise neighborhoods. And that's what we need because we've heard from a lot of the people tonight and in writing that they are concerned about the amount of traffic in these areas, adding this many homes and practically no office and retail use. Now, a lot of times... Um, the public's cries about traffic and parking falls on deaf ears on the board because we are really limited in the scope of what we can review. However, in this case right now, we actually can help mitigate some of the pedestrian and traffic and parking fears of the community because I don't feel that the level of development for this site uh, meets the code and the Totem Lake design guidelines. Um, and so um, I think the buildings are well designed. Um, I'm pleased with the layouts of everything, the number of you know materials that they're using, the thought they put into a lot of the aspects of the design. Maybe we can introduce some more color as Amy hit on, but I ultimately don't think after reviewing the Totem Lake Business District uh, neighborhood guidelines that this is keeping with what the city wanted to envision. Essentially, this is one giant, Varese development. Um, Randall, Carlos, I don't know if you guys remember the Varese development, but it's on 116th Street just to the north. Um, and a lot of people weren't happy about that project because they added a whole lot of homes and zero infrastructure to handle it. Um, this zone is designed to add those homes, but also add the infrastructure and the office and the retail uses to support it. But this design doesn't have any of that. It's just the homes similar to Varese. So, um, for me, it's going to have to be uh, kind of a, a rethink of how they're going to uh, uh, better meet the intent for the total like uh, 10E code um, to move forward. And that's it for me. Thanks. Um, 
Brad, I, I think that I, I agree with you. Uh, this project is very, very challenging and just even like looking at it, going through the information, it raised a lot of flags. Um, just uh, having one way in and out, it's kind of like something that you need to consider, especially uh, with all the um, uh, delivery um, and trucks coming in and out, just like trash collection with other uh, independent delivery uh, careers going in and out, plus having uh, the um, loading and unloading for new residents and for residents that are moving out. I, I, I think that this needs to be uh, reevaluated in terms of how it's the distribution uh, of the buildings. And uh, I don't know, like, I would like to hear um, any uh, other comments from other board members um, regarding kind of like just uh, the, the layout, how the buildings are uh, located. If um, you guys think uh, that this uh, uh, meets uh, the guidelines or if it requires uh, further review. Amy, do you have any comments? Yeah, so I, I want to piggyback on both um, what Brad said and what you said. Um, uh, you know, I, I am struggling with this master plan because um, I, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like uh, things have changed, have improved much from the last uh, time that we reviewed it. Um, you know, they just added, more pretty pictures and, and drawings, but um, the site plan itself uh, hasn't really changed much. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of my questions were really focused on those things that I, I feel like I, I just struggled with. And um, I still wasn't very satisfied with the answers that I've gotten. Um, and, and, uh, I am now concerned with what Brad said because, the, and I guess this is a question for staff, if this particular type of development was not envisioned for this site um, and it's not, uh, the question is, is it allowed by the zoning? Um, and, uh, you know, because obviously we wouldn't be reviewing, you would, staff wouldn't even allow this project to be reviewed by the DRB if, um, you know, they can't, you know, they can't develop the site with this particular product. And so I'll um, step in here and give a comment on that. And um, yes, staff, including myself, John Regal and Adam Weinstein went back and forth with the applicant on this for quite a while discussing the commercial elements here. Um, yes, we had we had discussed, you know, I think we've seen in the, um, the comprehensive plan, yeah, there was kind of more of a vision for a mixed use development in this area, but the zoning code really kind of lacks that language and really doesn't give any sort of minimum as for a commercial space here. So by providing any sort of commercial space, we have found that they are technically meeting the requirement for the zoning. Um, it's, it's kind of just a pitfall of the language found in um, the TL10E zone under the use zone um, chart there. That's under um, 
93-150, developments containing stacked or attached dwelling units and one or more of the following uses, retail establishments, including restaurants, taverns, restaurants and taverns and or office uses. Um, and there, yeah, there really isn't any sort of minimum requirement. Yeah, I, I would piggyback off of that, Kyle, and say that um, uh, it meets the zoning code um, and the, the board can't approve something that doesn't meet the zoning code. Um, and uh, we, you know, the zoning code is what it is, where the zoning, where the uh, design review board really steps in is for the design guidelines for each neighborhood. And that's where I think this project does not meet the design guidelines that the city has set forth for each neighborhood. Um, so yeah, I'm not disputing, I wanna make it clear, I'm not saying it doesn't meet zoning code. Um, it certainly does there and you're right, it doesn't have minimums, um, but you gotta dive into the design guidelines for total like business districts um, to see that I don't think this is meeting the intent. So actually, I also would think that um, just because they're calling a building, an office building or a retail, uh, you, you really have to, and I may have to go back and read the whole comprehensive plan section to see exactly what this, you know, um, what it's really trying to accomplish because um, putting a token 800 square foot retail doesn't really make the project a mixed use project. Um, it, you know, because in the end, if nobody can really use it, uh, you know, uh, then it's, you know, it doesn't meet the intent, even if, whether it's the design guidelines or the comprehensive plan. Um, so we, we can obviously evaluate this more, uh, maybe um, encourage the applicant to um, explore other uh, uses, complementary uses to their residential to meet the code. Um, it, you know, um, I, you know, I, you know, I really struggle with this product because, um, you know, I know, you know, you know, you, they talk about, you know, this is very different than what's around that area. Um, but I think that's a very low baseline to compare to. Um, you know, this product to me, uh, the very first townhouse project I worked on in 2006 or 2005, it looks exactly like this. So for me, there's nothing innovative. There's nothing, you know, forward thinking about it. It's, it's a typical townhouse project. Um, and and, um, and I'm, I am struggling with, um, you know, the, uh, just the uh, connectivity, the, you know, and, and compromising a lot of that just to, you know, just to accommodate the number of units that they want. Um, you know, I don't really see any of the open spaces as being anything to get excited about. Um, they're a place where you have leftover space, you know, and you can accommodate them, that's fine. Um, and then, you know, listening to the comments of the public, I mean, everybody was very thoughtful. Um, you, you know, I think that we do need to consider uh, loading and uh, delivery trucks. Like, um, you know, th that was a very good point. Uh, you know, this is a two-way, you know, the, the spine is basically uh, 
a two-way street, you know, and if you know where where would the delivery truck park, right? If if uh, it, and the Amazon trucks are not going to park in the parking space and walk, you know, twenty or fifty feet just to deliver, you know, um, a package. You know, they will just double park anywhere or block the you know block the art um, the spine and and deliver whatever they need to deliver. So I mean that's a that's a really good point. The school buses um, are we talking about school buses coming into the site to pick up kids or if not, if you have kids in this development, where are they planning? I mean, where are they walking to to get picked up by the bus? Um, yeah. So um, yeah. So I'm, I am concerned. Um, you know, and I'm so glad that the public did. You know, the members of the public did bring up those. Um, regarding the environmental um, issues, the habitat, um, you know, uh, you know, the wildlife um, yeah, impacts to, yeah, so impacts to the environment and then the transportation impacts. Um, and again, this, this is, I guess, a question to staff. I know those are things that are supposed to be identified um, in the SEPA checklist and um, and I don't know uh, to what extent that um, any of those were identified and if there's any mitigation that the applicant has proposed. So um, I don't think that that's the purview of the DRB, but um, definitely um, we respect the comments from the public and we hope that staff will take care of those and make sure that they're all addressed. Um, yes, yeah, staff then, work on them. Interesting those comments and uh, forwarding them on to um, applicable departments as well to get solid answers for you, the public. Yeah, um, yeah. So and and so going back to the DRB um, and what um, what we're concerned about, um, I do have a shopping list of things that I'd like to see at the next round, and I don't know, um, Carlos, if you want me to go over those now or wait until we, we're finished with our discussion. I, I think it's worth to like um, hear um, Randolph. I kept my comments high level. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff I would like to see too, but yeah, I just <laughs> want to hear from everybody first. Yeah, yeah, I'm very curious to see what uh, they think about this because this, this really like will define whether like the applicant is heading into the right direction or if we really don't need or or wouldn't be shouldn't be providing um, additional information if we don't think that this meets the intent of the uh, city guidelines. So um, I don't know if um, Randall. Do you have uh, any thoughts, comments about it? Uh, sure. I I guess I'm, when, when we look at this and we say that the totem like land comes down, and I believe it borders right at this location. The south border, this side is the end of that particular aspect. And and so you've got you've got a transitional site. And we would not be reviewing it. I don't think staff would allow it to get to this point. And I wouldn't, as the applicant, I wouldn't get to this point if it was not allowed code-wise. And so we aren't here to debate code uh, as far as land use code and this type of thing, because it's really up to the landowner that's doing the project to do what they, they deem financially feasible for this site. And when we say 
Well, it's a mixed use requirement and it should be a five over one. How do you put a five over one complex onto this topography and onto this site and not offend the neighbors to the south and not offend the, the pathway, the CKC? I mean, I don't, uh, when you look at this and, you know, the, the residents in the area and that brought up traffic. Traffic, I don't know where the city is on a traffic plan and traffic development plan for this particular area because this one project isn't it. You look at the GTS, you look at the tennis courts, you look at all of these warehouses down there, they are not highest and best use for this property. And over the next 10 to 20 years, this whole site will be developed. And traffic, where you aren't going to leave the street system the same, we aren't going to leave this intersections the same. There's going to be traffic changes, not just this one project causing it. So I, I look at it and I'm just going like, you know, it needs to have a village feel. It needs to have, so what you're telling me is it needs to be Totem Lake moved over here. Let's dig out the hole and let's just put Totem Lake over here. I don't think that's creative. You've got a topography you've got to work with. You've got wetlands you've got to work with. They're taking asphalt up and they're putting in a wetlands. They're refinishing and resetting up a wetlands. And so I don't, and most of the area, if you look at the map, if you just go to a Google map and you look at it and you overlay it, most of their facilities fit on top of the asphalt that's there now. Very little of it cuts back into the wooded area. If you go to the west end of the site, it cuts a little bit into it, but most of that wooded area stays. Most of the wooded area along the trail stays. And so I don't, I, I, I've really got to, uh, I, I look at it. I'm just like, wait a minute. They have improved this site by improving the wetlands. They have daylit a riparian quarter. They have, they have finished that. They're going to finish off that wetlands. So what I, you know, that's going to help the habitat. Now, is it, is it a perfect project? Does it, meet our need for six stories or eight stories or 22 stories or whatever the the plan is there's a whole lot of room down there with with warehouses and that that a lot of that is going to be done because it's flat ground it's flat ground and you can build economically you can build that building but up here i don't know and this landlord and landowner has come back and said, here is a viable project that can finance. They wouldn't be here if they could not financially make this work. But I don't see a five over one mixed use project sitting here. And I, you know, and it, it really is off the beaten path because it's too far south for commercial office space. We're proving that because people are moving out of it. And so I, I, I just, I, you know, it meets the zoning code or it wouldn't be here. And we are, we are really looking at it and saying, this is what this landowner wants to propose for their project. 
And so as a DRP, we can sit there and say, well, it doesn't meet the intent. I don't, it, if it's allowed under the zone, it meets the intent. So I, I, I just, you know, I, I look at the traffic issue. Yes, I'm not sure what the city has done to, you know, where their plans are, what their, you know, their planning is for this area, because when they rezoned all this to the height that they could, because when we did the project just recently over on Forbes Creek Drive, and we looked at that, that project, and it seemed like an awful big building. But when they set the buildings in around it, what was allowable on the property around that building, it's the smallest building on the block. And so I see what, yeah, that's the intent of the Totem Lake, but we have essentially a buffer project because it's on the topography. If you look at the topography and you look at the retaining walls they've got in this thing, it's a huge project for retaining walls. It sets up there and it's not ideal for, you know, some sort of village format five over one. I mean, there has to be some practicality in, in looking at the topography or they're moving a whole lot of dirt and making a cliff coming off of these residents to the south. So I, you know, I look at it, yeah, there's other things that I would like to see that they come back with and and that, but I mean, the talk right now is, gee, do we kill the whole concept and they come back with a whole brand new concept? Is that what you want? I don't. I don't think it's warranted. And I think the land the landowners have done what is allowable. And so we need to look at the design of it and the purview of what we look to and, and say, do they or don't they meet those design parameters? And I think as a buffer project coming into this, it's probably an ideal project. Yes, it's tight. You know, whether or not Amazon trucks can park or people can walk up and down the, the sidewalks, part of that's going to be how do people perceive it and what is the market for that? And that, that again falls on the land owner. But I just, I, I, I get the feel that we're like, no, let's dump the project and let's move on and find something else to do here. I, that's not our purview. That's my thoughts. Thank you, Randall. Fatima, do you have any thoughts about it? I kind of agree with what just Randall said. It makes more sense to me that, yeah, they, of, despite all the things that the people have stated and what we think about the traffic, about the flow of the pedestrian trucks coming in, I, I agree with all that also. But I also think what Randall said that in the bigger picture, the, it does seem like a viable project. And of course, it's on a like on the side and I don't know how much of a commercial use that space would be so yeah um, like what Randall said it, I, I do feel it's viable of course we need to look at the other things and incorporate them and then yeah as we, we said yeah thank you thanks Fatima
I think that uh, Randall's comments are very fair in terms of what um, the applicant is proposing in terms of restoration of, of the property. Um, just looking at Google Maps, you can see that there's a lot of hardscape and what they are doing uh, will um, impact um, the environment of the property. At this point, um, I guess Brad, um, uh, Amy, uh, is there um, a position that you would like to take? Or I and and John, uh, I like uh, also to get your feedback uh, for this type of um, decision that we that we need to make at the, uh, today. Um, would you recommend just to um, make a motion either to determine um, if we need to proceed with this uh, application or if we need to um, request the applicant to uh, re um, review uh, their um, application and come with something that uh, meets the design guidelines? Yeah. Um, so first of all, like good comments from from the board members. Um, it was a challenging. Um, the reason I say that because it was challenging for staff as well, given the comprehensive plan when we did the the Totem Lake Business District update back in the two thousands. Uh, really, the the long term vision for this area was to be, you know, uh, like essentially an urban center, and I think it well. A couple of years later, like in 2003 or so, the area around Village at Totem Lake became designated as an urban center, and the surrounding areas we deemed as a Totem Lake business district. So the goal was to create a very high, high intensity, dense um, urban center in and around Totem Lake, with like Village at Totem Lake kind of as the catalyst. Okay, so that's the vision. The code was adopted as you see today. And when you read it, and to Kyle's point, there was there is no minimum. So we do allow the use in terms of mixed use, but there are no minimums in terms of how much commercial is required. So that's where it was difficult because at the end of the day, it's the zoning that would trump, okay? And what I'd like to do and what Kyle can do too is for the next meeting, um, we can do additional research with the Totem Lake Business District guidelines because Brad's right. The Design Review Board does have authority based on the applicable design guidelines. And we can provide a summary of what the city's position would be and then um, provide the board with that information as it relates to zoning, the guidelines, the applicant's proposal, um, and provide the board additional information. So that's more in the general sense in terms of like um, the um, the land use and zoning aspect of the proposal. Um, but as listening to this, to, to the board discussed, it seems like just in general, the board's not ready to even, I guess, you know, um, make a decision tonight on the project. So it's more of I think where the board is headed is to a continuation of the design response conference. 
So maybe what we could do is, um, as I just mentioned, staff can prepare some background information as far as kind of the, the legalities of everything. Um, and then I think tonight the board should provide, um, uh, so assuming the project moves forward in terms of land use, provide the applicant information as far as what the board would like to see at the continued uh, at the next meeting. John, I have a question. Sure. We can we can give the applicant and say, okay, there's because there's two pathways here. The way I see it is first pathway is we take what the proposal is here and say, what are the additional items that we want to see at an, an additional design review conference? But I'm, I'm kind of at a point where I don't really want to drag the applicant through that. If we, if the staff would put together a report, and I'm not sure how you would do this, we'd have to have, you know, a design response meeting or whatever publicly to review your report and then upon that make a decision as to what to recommend to the applicant so how do you how do you how do you merge those two pathways because they're diverse they, they go different mm -hmm. directions right so how would how would you do that without uh, for the applicant to move forward and do the things that we're going to be asking they're going to be spending money and i don't wish that on any applicant because most of these projects are done in the margin and so we just need to be cognizant of the applicant and cognizant of what the city and the neighborhood wants to do. So what do you well, recommend? Yeah, so like, maybe it was you, Randall, that made the comment that the applicant has proceeded this far with the proposal. And that's been based on, you know, discussions with the board at a conceptual conference. And it's based on, um, um, discussions with staff in terms of how the code applies. Right. So if you were to ask me, my my recommendation is we proceed as if with that with with the proposal meeting the zoning code. And therefore the the um, the comments from the board would be on what the board would like to see based on this current design. Okay, so the app, so the applicant go ahead and move forward with what we're asking, but then if Correct. you're putting something together from a staff viewpoint that comes back to us, that maybe should have been questions we asked at the other at the previous conference. Maybe I'll um, I'll put it to the the applicant. So David, because I don't, and maybe Kyle too. Um, in terms of design guidelines, I'm pretty sure you went pretty thoroughly through through the design guidelines. And I'm just curious your take on, um, you know, this whole notion of having a more intense mixed use project as it relates to a guideline. Yeah, John, do you, um, before David talks, can I just throw in something? Um, I just wanted to clarify, I'm not looking for a five over one in this mm -hmm. project. Um, I'm working on, I'm, I'm looking at this and accepting that, um, you know, Toll Brothers product is townhouses. You're not going to expect them to build a five over one, but maybe um, as, a, as a compromise, it will be uh, instead of a vertical mixed use, it will be a horizontal mix, mixed use 
And they've shown that they can provide at least a small office building, but maybe it should be more substantial than one that accommodates eight people, right? Um, and that's all. That's all I'm I'm looking for. Five five point eight people. Five point eight people. Sorry, not even eight. Five point eight people. Yeah, but you've got about eight to twelve acres right below this that anything can of that's going to handle hundreds of people can go. But Look that's not the, the point. The, that's not about point, Randall, because the zoning well, here is specifically, I, I hear what you're saying that, you know, I don't think that a 501 is the right product here, but based and, and given uh, the history that John explained that, um, you know, technically, you know, the, 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 densest and the most intense uses are probably uh, going to be in um, Totem Lake Village. And so I'm not even expecting anything like that. Um, and then realistically, with just one driveway, I honestly don't think they can build a large office building or, you know, a large retail space. So, but there's a reason why. But why, these, why economically saddle them with that type of deal when there's land right next to it, when the topography of this property, plus the buffer residential, single family residential. Okay. And so, okay. so you get into, you get into. Well, I, I just don't think that that's, I mean, every developer I dealt with has to look at the zoning and ask themselves, is this really the right lot where I want my product? And if not, then they go somewhere else. Um, it's not like this is the only place in the whole city of Kirkland where you could put well, they, just they've all they've obviously, multifamily housing. They've obviously said that this is a site for multifamily because they've moved this far along. Well, um, yes, so, but there was some sort of analysis that was done by the city to say, okay, we will let you do that, but you still need to meet the zoning. And so they put a small office building um, to meet the, the code, right? So they do acknowledge that they do meet, need to meet the code. They need to provide well, a have, mixed use project. But according to staff, they've met the code. It's the minimum. If, if, if I could say okay. something, we don't just review things based on the zoning code. If that were the case, we wouldn't need a design review board. There's maximum envelopes, there's maximum heights, there's minimum dimensions, all of that. The city reviews that stuff. We don't just look at the zoning code. We are also charged with looking at the neighborhood guidelines because each neighborhood has a, a, a unique kind of design flavor that they want to, to fit with that community and that is what i'm talking about right here you know uh, the, the this is beyond just reviewing a single building's architecture we're looking at the design of the city we're taking a 30,000 you know uh, height view here and if every single development in totem lake did this it would be a mess if every single development that had been going in for the last like five to 10 years just put in some townhomes in a shed for an office, it would be a terrible city design. 
I'm not just looking at this site. I'm looking at all the other sites dotting around it and what it can be in 20 years. That's what the neighborhood design guidelines uh, are about. That's what the zoning's about. That's what the master plan is about. And I don't think that this meets that intent. If it doesn't work right now, Amy had a great idea about making it horizontally mixed use. But just because, you know, this product, they can fit it on the site and they toss a shed of an office space. And I don't think, well, they met the zoning code, so we have to approve it. We have no choice. Like, I don't think that that's doing our duty to the city of Kirkland. I'm not trying to spend the developers money. I work with developers every day. Their job is not easy. And the work that the developer, the, the owner and the civil engineer and the architects have put in, you can see the quality of their work. I'm not trying to just tell them to throw everything away and go back to the drawing board. Um, but we are not burdened with making sure that because they've invested and gone this far, we need to make sure that they can turn a profit on the margins. We are charged with uh, enforcing the community's requirements and desires for the neighborhood. We've been hearing for years for all sorts of projects, the Varese is the closest, that traffic in this area is really bad. There's so many homes and the density is crazy and there's no like office and retail on this side of 405. Everyone's got to drive across or up to 124th. Um, and so we're going to allow that to happen again when clearly this development is not meeting the intent of the neighborhood design guidelines. Like, I don't think that that's right. And I don't think that we can say, oh, well, the next guy across the street can get it. It's like, these are the first guys in. They can set the tone for what this neighborhood is supposed to, to, to be, you know? And, and that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that this is done right by the city of Kirkland, the residents, and the neighborhood, you know, uh, design guidelines. Like, I, I, I'm not happy to say this to the developer, but that's after reading it and reading a lot of the comments from the community, that's how I feel. I appreciate that. And John, if I may. Um, yeah, this is this is actually quite shocking. I mean, you know, this is this is a process that started uh, over a year ago and it started with uh, preliminary meetings with with the city. Uh, we laid out a site plan that's very close to what you see here. Um, we were given our the pros and cons of that. We tweaked it. Uh, we developed it into a conceptual site plan. We showed you all three massings, three site plans. Um, and the comments came back uh, and, and they're in the staff's notes. And they're, I, I led with those as well. They'd like to see the office component relocated between buildings J and K. Uh, we had talked about, Amy, I think you brought up, uh, you know, the idea of doing a food truck. Uh, before we all agreed at the conceptual design, which is which, a food truck is practically admitting that there's not enough office and retail and restaurant use. In may, may, may I finish, Brad? Um, and you know this, we came up with this plan, and now we've enhanced this plan. We've we've created, um, we've done everything we asked for uh, based on that on that plan. To give you an idea what a bad idea office is. We spent $47 million on this site and we have two offices there. One's empty, one's about to be empty. It's not an office site. There are office buildings being killed throughout the Bay, uh, throughout the, uh, uh, the East Bay, um, being east side of East Lake and, and, and Seattle. It's, it's not, not, not an office. What's more, the only building, the first building once you come out of our site is a small office building. It's 5,600 square feet. It's being used as, as a storage. 
for for truck parts right now, not office. Uh, behind there is a warehouse that has warehouse office in it. That's also being used for storage, not an office. Retail. I've, I've, most of my career is, is, was done doing retail. It's the largest developer of CVSs in the West, uh, largest Chase developer in the Southeast, uh, largest family dollar developer in the West, in the Southeast. Um, this is not a retail location. There is absolutely no draw to come down here. There's no uh, passerby traffic. And what's more, our traffic engineer will tell you that to have the retail come down here, you're only going to exacerbate the, the, the traffic situation. Our, our traffic engineer, and I believe your traffic engineer will concur, that the impact from going from 50,000 square feet of office to uh, 121 townhomes is negligible. Um, so you're really looking at the, 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 the peak trips, peak hour trips. Um, so it, it's not office. So what have we done? We've played by the rules. We came in front of you as a plan. We've showed you what our intent is. And you said, yes, if we like that. Can you tweak it? Can you improve it? We did. We went through the, the guidelines. I mean, you look at the guidelines. It isn't all about mixed use. It's about modulation. It's about uh, pedestrian access. It's about um, lighting. It's about landscaping. So when we look at all, all the things that we've done, we can go down the checklist, did it, did it, did it, did it. It's an extremely pedestrian friendly site that works very well with vehicular traffic. So coming back at this part of the game is, 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 is this a major retrade, a major retrade. If, if this system works, and this is the way the community operates, then we need to have faith in it and we need to be able to move on from step to step. Oh, I didn't know you guys were kidding me. I didn't know that you, you thought, you know, the, the retail component movement between J and K was gonna suffice. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I mean, after we explained in the last meeting and, and, and staff is, is clearly aware of it, you got a 72 inch Metro main running through this site. You've got a water main running through this site. You've got a variation of grades of, of, of over 60 feet from one end of the site to the other. The site right now doesn't have any stormwater capacity uh, to speak of. We're coming in here and putting in vaults for treatment. You know, we're, we're putting in the required um, uh, uh, Forbes Creek buffer right through the middle of the site. So you put the, you, you, it's narrow, it's got topo, it's got a massive easement in there for the sewer main that can't be relocated. It's got a, a, a hundred foot strip of, uh, of, of um, creek buffer cutting right through the middle. It has wetland buffers on every side. I mean, it, it's, it's like you can only fit the parts and the pieces in in a specific way, and it kind of lays out like this. And what's more, yes, we could have gone to 95 feet above. And because we are on the trail, and actually our site straddles the trail, we have a corner on the other side, we could have probably, we probably could have got another bonus and gone up to 100 feet or 115 feet. And we would have been towering over the neighborhoods uh, to, the, to, the, to the south. And that's, and that's not what we're doing. It's not what we're doing at all. And, and the idea of, of, you know, 
we're putting in 880 feet. We feel like a studio uh, space would, would, would suffice. We're putting the landing pad for uh, a food truck or a, or a um, ice cream truck down by the, by the trail, which is what we talked about in the last meeting. You go listen to the tape. Uh, and we didn't come up with that idea. It came from the board. You know, we've, we've, we've accommodated that. And this is good architecture. It does not impose on the neighbors to the south, and it doesn't impose or wreck any business to the neighbor to the to the north. So I, I, I feel like this is, um, to come back and say that this is a mixed-use development down here, you ask people to live here locally for years, and maybe 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 this, you'll feel the same way. You say, I'm going to Totem Lake. Oh, you're going to the south end of 120th Street down by 116? You're going to visit Sistema's old building? No, you're not. That's It isn't. You know, we're here because that's the zoning overlay. The zoning says it can be residential if you do one of these things. It doesn't say it has to be mixed use. It doesn't say you need to do to lead with your office or lead with your retail or lead with a restaurant. It says you can lead with residential. And that's what we've done. So, I mean, if, if you guys say the conceptual, if, if I'm coming in here and believe in who you are and believe in your integrity, and you say, after I go through the, the, the conceptual design conference, that it was all hooey, that's not the system. That's not the way this works. What, what is more, we, we've spent a ton of time with Kyle and John and others down at planning, and we did not come up with a, uh, you know, make a, make a village town center. I mean, what what a what a no one puts a village town center. What's the traffic count on on 120 right now? I mean, does anybody have any idea? Because hey, David, uh, I think that this is the time for the board to deliberate. So uh, thank you for your comments, board. Yeah. Um, John, uh, I think that this is a very uh, critical um, and very complex item that we need to resolve. Uh, there are uh, certainly the, the the job of the uh, design review board is to be consistent with the design guidelines and uh, zoning is part of uh, the city and uh, that does not pertain to us, but our job uh, here as board members is to review uh, and make sure that projects that are presented to us comply with these are consistent. I think that uh, at this point, uh, there are uh, different opinions. And uh, is there a chance uh, that we could get additional clarification from uh, from the city? Uh, I, I guess that at this point, it is not our job to determine if we can approve or not the project. But we will, uh, for to be to complete our role uh, as board members, we, we need to have all the information in front of us and have a clear understanding on what we are going to be reviewing or not. And I, I think right now it's uh, based on uh, opinions and uh, certainly the city, uh, we would like to the city to clarify these so we can focus on the actual um, guidelines and not on what's allowed by, by the sun or not. Uh, I think that that's more on the the, the city's uh, uh, role to to determine. So, is, is there a an, uh, a way that we can get additional clarification 
from the city based on the different agencies and what zoning and what the city says uh, that this can, this be, can built. be built. So we can um, provide uh, clarification or um, further directions uh, to the applicant whether uh, how they need to proceed on this. Yeah, well, you know, the term intent was used a lot. And I think what we have to be careful about is we can't really, I guess, regulate or even, so the staff can't really regulate on intent per se, if, you know, the, the regulation's clear. And I think the same kind of goes with the design review board. And unless the guidelines are very clear about um, uh, a certain level of intensity or density of, you know, based on a, a mixed use project, um, I can, I think, I think I, we really just need to stick with the guidelines. So, I mean, staff can, we can certainly provide an opinion. Um, I think on, that clarity, clarity right. is what we are lacking off right now. Uh, what's uh, allowed and what's not, what mm -hmm. should we uh, do? And uh, I, I, I don't mean to disrespect anyone here at the staff, at the, at my fellow board members. We are volunteers here. We, we don't have any interest on what's going to be decided today or tonight. So I, I, I think that the, the uh, clearest path for us is to is uh, to get some clarification from the city on what we can do uh, to uh, further um, discuss and uh, provide a clarification to uh, the applicant on what they can do or what they should refine or, or on their project. But uh, at this point, I, I feel that we're lacking uh, of that. And uh, that's why uh, we're stuck in, in this conversation and with this discussion, because we don't really have like a clear path. So if uh, the city can clarify that for us, then we'll be more than happy to uh, proceed and, uh, and uh, give uh, direction to the applicant on their project. So are you asking, should we continue the meeting um, so that staff can provide that clarity? I, I guess that uh, if time is uh, the issue for uh, the applicant, uh, maybe, I don't know if an, a special meeting can be summoned uh, where we get that clarification that we need uh, for all the board members and also for the applicant. And then we can like give the applicant a direction on what to, what to do. I, I don't feel that it's right for us to mm -hmm. just uh, keep, um, direction to the applicant without being uh, certain about what the city uh, and what's allowed on these documents. These documents were not uh, elaborated by the board or any board members. They are signed by the city. So we would like to get enlightenment from the city, uh, uh, the, the, the same entity that created these documents, these design guidelines for us to make a clarification or, or to provide further direction to the applicant. So the next meeting would be um, February 6th. So that and is an option. Do, yeah. do you think that by that time, uh, the city uh, will uh, provide the board uh, clarification on, on what's the actual issue right now? Yeah, I think we'd have to, yeah. Does that uh, sound uh, fair for the applicant? Sure. So, how do, so, what is, so is this then a, a continuance? Is, is that 
Yes, it will be a continuance of uh, the um, design uh, response conference. And the purpose will be for the city to clarify uh, what um, the design review board will be reviewing of your project based on uh, the current uh, comments that uh, arose today. And it would be uh, continued to the February 6th meeting, so in two weeks. Correct. Okay. How much risk do we have? All right. Uh, well, with that being said, uh, would anyone would like to make a motion uh, for continuance of the um, design response conference on what date did you say, John? February 6th. February 6th. Can I just ask a question? What John, what do you see as your task here? What's the deliverable that you're going to come back with? It would be the background information on the zoning piece and then uh, a background position, or I guess background information and a recommendation on the design guideline aspect and authority of the board to weigh in on this topic. But as far as far as a recommendation on the design guidelines, is that? I mean, I, I guess I, I, yeah. I guess I look at it. I'm just going like, okay, that is that an objective or a subjective approach? I, I think. I, I mean, you can you can go through the zoning code and say, here's what the zoning code says. And you wouldn't be here today, or we wouldn't be here tonight, unless that hadn't already been done. And so I don't know if we have to redo that. But when you get into, again, the like comment of intent, and, and you look at it, but then you take what David said, and you look at the difficulties of this site. We just can't take things in a vacuum and a piece of property and take it in a vacuum and say we can put you know, whatever on that site, when there are very, very specific issues with this site. And, and then you try to look at it and say, okay, the intent of the master plan or the guide specs is one thing, but how you can execute it and get there is another thing. And so I guess, what can you, okay, what are you what are you going to say there or how can you say that does that make sense yeah it does and i think we have to provide because this is what i'm hearing from the board that there there's the board wants to hear some like the clarity on their authority based on let's say the vision and the guidelines yeah. And I think staff can provide that clarity in terms of, well, you know, if we if we say this and that, then it might be going too far and that we really need to stick back, take it back to what maybe what you're proposing, Randall. Um, so. Um, and if that's what the board needs is clarity to move forward, yeah. I think we can provide that. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it it, it uh, ties back to the vision of uh, this um, zone 
the, the main issue is to decide whether like uh, the, the current project can, is, is feasible for this. And if the city is uh, taking into consideration that this uh, whole area might change in a few years. And how does that, how is that gonna play with the city's plans uh, in terms of like infrastructure and uh, adjacent properties and uh, different or new projects that are gonna like come up in the, uh, in the coming years. So I, I think that right now the disconnection is the vision that is outlining the guidelines, which is what we use uh, to uh, provide direction to the applicants and what the city uh, really is allowing right now. So if we can get clarification on that and what the city's plans are for this zone and, and what the applicant can do, and if that all fits within like the city's uh, plans for the next 10, 20 years, then that that's fine, we'll, we'll, we'll proceed. But we just wanna make sure that uh, we are, uh, our interpretation of uh, the, the guidelines is correct and that we are not falling into assumptions or just opinions on, on how we um, should use these tools that uh, the city has made or created. And in that, in that light, I make a motion that we continue this until February 6th and the city staff provide the particular guidelines or guidance that we're requesting. I'll second that. Move on second. Um, We'll proceed with roll call. Uh, you don't need a roll call, Carlos, oh. just all in favor. All in favor, uh, please say aye. 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 Motion carries. Okay, so that uh, we'll be seeing the applicant on uh, February and uh, thanks for sticking uh, with us tonight. I know it's very late, uh, so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate your time, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you, everyone. So now uh, we'll uh, is that um, we'll proceed with. Uh, do we have any administrative um, discussions um, that we need to have, um, John? It's just. Uh, the only thing on the agenda is just the next DRB meeting. So that is February 6th. Um, there will be, so it's gonna be a continuation for this item. And then um, I believe there will be a CDC um, conceptual conference for another project in Totem Lake, uh, just east of the Volkswagen site on Northeast 124th Street. You could picture okay. that, yep. Yeah. Do we, um, do we need to pull for attendance? No, just plan to be there. Um, and then we'll just, uh, we'll have, uh, so Riley's our new um, admin person. So, so you probably heard from him this past week. So he'll be calling around the week prior just to confirm. So John, uh, I thought he, uh, Riley said there's a January 30th meeting. Did you say it's only, uh, the, our next meeting is February 6th? There's no January 30th? No, January, I think it's Monday, but yeah, the next one for next month should be February 6th, Amy. Right, but I'm, I'm saying, so our next meeting is January 30th, right? I don't think so. John, can you confirm that? Uh, that's, that, I mean, he sent that email. Did John freeze? 
It looks like John froze. Uh-oh. Um, January 30th is actually a Sunday. Um, hmm. And there's nothing on the calendar for that. Um, but the next meeting. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> of course. Uh, you you may want to meeting... talk to Riley. I don't know which date he wants them. Yeah, there was an I'll email them. stating that we have a meeting on the 30th also. So I I'll also thought. Definitely look into that and get that yeah. confirmed. Or, yeah, there is there is no meeting on January 30th. I, I emailed him today to, to clarify. And yeah, so do not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be an official meeting. We're, we're, we're really very dedicated if we're yeah. meeting on a Sunday. So to clarify, no meeting on the 30th. The next meeting will be the February February 6th. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, um, uh, John. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add tonight? I just want to say... Carlos, great job tonight for your first official <laughs> chair meeting. Yeah. And Amy as that vice chair. <laughs> congratulations to you both. I was not there last time. So congratulations, Carlos. Congratulations, Amy. Thank you. You'll, you'll get your turn. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> you already. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, just uh, proceed. And uh, right, make a motion. Like suggest, I make a motion. We adjourn. Anyone I would like to second? The motion. Okay, move and second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Right, motion carries. Thank you very much for uh, sticking this late and hope to see you all in February 6th. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Good night.